Now she's again next week for another three points. Get in there! Welcome to Tez the Eastland, episode 152, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof, Carroyne. The late podcast, Gar, just like the Rovers goals, late podcast. Yeah, we're keeping it, we're, we're consistent here at Tifties. We could have put it out yesterday, but you would only got 80% Tifties. That's it. And we don't do that here. No, you're getting 100%. You're 100% getting the, Tifties. You're getting the full whack. That's why we have 152 episodes, Gar. That's it. We well, don't let our standards apparently, drop. Apparently I don't, so it's 148, so... <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we're still sponsored by Lesser Credit and Ocean Electrical, fantastic partners. Um, we're teaming up with a vegan sweets, which is actually real. We're teaming up with a vegan sweets company called TreatYourself.ie. Use the code Rovers to get. To, we actually we actually getting more. I want to stay in the race with Rovers here. I'm staying in the race with Rovers with our official partner. So the official vegan sweet partner of the podcast are TreatYourself.ie. TreatYourself.ie. That is real. That is real. Are we seriously sponsored by vegan jellies now? <laughs> oh, partners, our vegan partners, our vegan jelly partners. A uh, few more coming up as well. I'm just trying to keep up with Rovers, you know. Use the code Rovers for 30% off. Yeah, so Lesser Credit and Ocean Electrical, of course, are fantastic sponsors looking after us every time. Google them for all your electrical and payday needs, payday loan needs. So uh, that is it. So yeah, we're going to review our late wins over promoted sides, Longford and Drada, the Force Division Alliance Prof. Take that one. <laughs> So we have another edition of Tifty's Hotline and five more pressing questions and there's this month's In Memoriam in honour of Joe Merriam, Merriman, aka Joe the Hoop and uh, I'll give my thoughts on Joe and I still, do you know, we always talk about things that are born into your memory and little mm. little things that you you remember about particular individuals. I have a couple of stories about Joe. So Yeah, that's nice now, Gary, but I think what everyone wants to know is how much European Super League discussion would be in today's episode. Hopefully little or none. I'm totally, totally fed up with this conversation altogether. And people are talking about it, blah, blah, blah. Like, get over it. It's not going to affect you in any way if you follow League of Ireland. Are you that upset? Get fucking over it. Drop it. I was all this fake outrage from all these bullshit bar stewards. Get the fucking... Get in the sea. I was ex- actually accepting refugees during the week. Liverpool fans are coming to me saying, can I support Rovers now? That's it, yeah. I've had a few saying... There's just, actually, someone came to me today and work and asked me how much the season ticket was. The Rover season ticket for a family one. I says, yeah, don't worry, I'll tell you. It's it's, yeah. it's bloody blah. Here's how much it is. Here's what's going to happen. Give, get in touch with me. I'll give you the whole package. The walk around the stadium. A little tour into the bar, into the suite. Do the whole lot. Get them, get them hooked. The thing is that things are changing so fast that like when we started preparing this podcast, there was a Super League. And now, like 72 hours later, it's it's almost dead and buried. Seen some old, decrepit-looking Mr. Bournes look-alike giving a statement apologising I think he was the Liverpool guy oh John Henry what was that that was that was, that was major 
Yeah. Now that was interesting. I like seeing people grovel. That's cool. Compare that one to the Man United one. Did you read that statement? It's just just two sentences. Like no apology, just just classic like manager ownership speak. Mm. Bullshit, absolute yeah. bullshit. I'm totally disinterested in it now. A hundred percent, no interest in it anymore. Gary Neville really set the tone that he would. He went full ultras, Gary. Enough was enough. Yeah, but isn't he? Yeah, isn't like is he is he being a hypocrite? I mean, didn't he? Didn't he take over Salford and pump money into it just to get them up the leagues? Mm. You could say to generate cash. You know, there's there's, there's two sides yeah. to every story here. You know, and the Premier League wasn't itself a breakaway league, so I mean, yeah, yeah. There you go. But once again, the sober Aussie Nate, which is uh, a, a thing, a new thing recently. So Aussie Nate was nice flashback last week, so it was uh, good to hear from him again. Yeah, Ray Senior says we, we can't call him that anymore. We call him Irish Nate. Yeah, Irish Nate. Essentially Irish now. <laughs> And Twitter part one, Prof, it's the Tifty's hotline. You uh, know the drill by now. We have five questions and we have ten fans. So the questions were as follows. Name your top three Rovers goals you've seen since becoming a fan. Extremely, extremely hard after listening back to some of this stuff, Carl. All them popping into my head. Carl Shepard's backheader, Gary McCabe's goal, a home to Partizan, Malada Bolaslav, Borky. Um, even like like the likes of Bray Twig out and Bray the one that squirmed in you know these goals that weren't necessarily crackers did some significance I think you said it best the best way to to, you kind of need a you need a filtering system don't you where it's significance cracker and add them all in that'll whittle it down but even that like the Apollon Limassan goal um, Borky's header and Daily Mount like all these goals were just brilliant at the time as well you know do you know what you'd almost forget more crackers than you remember you do, Dan Carr's forgotten goal forever against Bowles when we lost 2-1. That was a brilliant goal, you know, yeah. stuff like that. I put that Carr one on a similar, in a similar vein to the Scales goal, actually, just for like pure individual skill. Yeah, definitely, yeah, I'd agree with you on that. It's brilliant, some really, really good goals. The, the Shepherd backheader doesn't get enough credit. I thought that was, that was absolutely brilliant. And the next one is, which Rovers player has been a standout performer so far this season? Might as well answer real quickly ourselves, Prof. Uh, who's it for you? I, I think Man, hmm. Mandroyu has been has been shown some real flashes of brilliance. But standout, you're probably talking Hor. He's been consistently excellent. Yeah, I'd say a tie between Hor and, and Mandroyu. Man, Mandroyu has been just... He just shows you what he could become, you know. A little taster. Hmm. I think that's been he's been brilliant. Uh, your best and worst memory hmm. of a derby, 99 minute. Had to have been... The two one forced ever derby, the cup final was brilliant. The one where we broke the cur- or the run where Borky cleared two off the mm. line. That was another great one where we kinda of finally got the monkey off our back. That was more relief than anything. Yeah. Whereas the cup semi final just everything just went our way. Cup, cup semi final is my big one. That's the, that's such an one. enjoyable game. Yeah. Such an enjoyable game. We just got everything right. Lee Gray's the best game in the short, just the marsh beforehand. Mm. Dan, um, Dan Lambert, you did it yourself. Yeah, yeah, this. crouching down. Yeah. Uh, the best Wor- and worst. Worst, worst, worst was uh, the 4 0. 4 0. I didn't yeah. even see the fourth. I heard the fourth because I walked out. <laughs> I walked out. We were in yeah. the Jody as well. Yeah. Um, did you settle on top three goals? <sighs> no, not at all. Not at all. I'd have to sit back and sit down. There's more I haven't named, you know? There's more. Um, there's plenty more we haven't named. I had to filter it again to goals I saw live. So you filtered it and then I yeah. Love it. yeah yeah. So the best I could come up with was uh Berkey against Mladen Bodislav. Yeah, we, in, we like, nearly missed that. Yeah. <laughs> looking at, I'm looking for an emoji on the phone <laughs> to update Twitter. We should have taken that to the grave with us. But yeah, that's what we were doing. Um 
Gary McCabe at home to Partizan. Just for, I'm, I'm picking different goals as well. So that's what a team goal. goal. And for a meaningful goal with an incredible atmosphere for what it meant, uh, Jack Byrne at home to Bran. Oh, wow. What a goal. What a goal. Someone else Mayhem. Bring, someone else brings that up, actually. Mayhem. Um, what's pissing you off at the moment? Football or otherwise? I'll tell you what's pissing me off. Um, members of clubs who are using <laughs> the football team as a vehicle to push their political agenda or gain financially or commercially along with their little buddies who are in bands. That's what, I, that's what pisses me off. That's what pisses me off at the minute. I thought you were going down the Super League route there. Again, using, no, you're actually... Using it as a way, as under the guise of charity as well, which makes, even, it makes me even mm. more pissed off as well. That's what pisses me off. Using charity as a way to, to get your get your way in, in the world. It's, it's a disgrace, it really is. Yeah, I'll jump on that one. I'll, I'll, I'll say that's mine as well. Where did you listen to Tifties 150 and what's the strangest place you've listened to the podcast? Um... Where's the strangest place we recorded? We could say we recorded in a few different countries. A little uh, in a wardrobe of a B and B in Iceland. Jesus, did we record there? <laughs> I don't think we had room even. We recorded ten minutes of it. Yeah. Jesus, that was terrible. And then your man who came in used to play for the team we were playing against. I think was, it? but that was that was the most expensive and smallest apartment we've ever stayed in. Um, um, it was we, literally just a bed. That was it. And you could just about squeeze out the side of the, <laughs> to, the door. To get out of the actual <laughs> door, yeah. Uh, that was a pretty cool one. Australia's place to record was in work. Keep <laughs> work, yeah, remember that? <laughs> gorilla, war, gorilla recording. <laughs> Hiding in the in the wardrobe, nearly. That was gas. So, uh, uh, an unnamed member of staff keeping sketch. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's the questions. So uh, here is our first five hoopers who called in. Hotline. Hello, Tifty's Hotline. It's Con Murphy here. <clears throat> Top three Rovers goals. Um, first one has to be Sully in uh, the game against Partizan. I think everybody is going to include that in their uh, top goals, aren't they? I mean, just not only for the quality of the strike and the brilliant goal that it was, but just for the significance of the result and what it meant for the team that night. I think that's always got to be in the top three. Uh, The second one I'm going to go for is Gary Twigg's first goal for Rovers and Rovers' first goal at Tala that night against uh, Sligo. the quality of the goal was good maybe not as outstanding as some other goals that have been scored down through the years but just the significance of the occasion what it meant and the celebrations that it led to um, so that's going to be in my top three as well and the third one I'm going to go for is um, Graham Burke's goal against Derry this week <laughs> um, just a moment of pure brilliance um, honourable mention to Aaron Green for his brilliant goal against Apollon in Cyprus um, if Rovers had gone through that night I probably would have included that in the top three as well but um, so I'm going for Sully Twig and Berkey as my uh, top three Rovers goals at the moment standout player this season loads of contenders Sean Hoare has been really good since he came in Sean Gannon likewise uh, Danny Mandrew is showing some really good signs uh, so is Rory Gaffney I think Dylan Watts is going to be big this year but I'm going so far I mean still very early stages but I'm going for Liam Scales um, his goal in the President's Cup was unbelievable uh, contender for goal of the season still for me um, but his overall performances have been brilliant <clears throat> and again it just shows you the strength and depth at the back you know with Joey out and Pico out and yet Liam Scales um, has looked 
masterful uh, in defence. So, so far, he gets my standout player of the season. Best of worst moments in a derby match against Bowes. Uh, start with the worst. Uh, Harry Kenny getting sent off after two minutes at Daly Mount Park by Paddy Daly. Um, that stands out. And also a 99th minute goal by uh, Daryl Leahy and the uh, time that Keith Ward picked up the corner flag. Um, and any time that there's been fighting amongst the fans, that, that they'd all go down in the worst memory. Best has to be Twigs. Two late goals celebrating in front of the Bowes fans. Incredible. Um, and also, I think the other part of the best bit of the uh, derby is just the rivalry that's built up over the years. Um, the colour now, the um, crowds that are coming out, the interest that's been generated by the games. And hopefully those crowds will be back soon, which brings me back to uh, question number four, what's pissing you off in football and Definitely uh, the answer to that one is the fact that there are no crowds at the matches. I mean, myself and Prof are lucky enough to be getting to games at the moment uh, for, because we're working at them. But uh, it's just not the same. It's The players will tell you, I, I heard Pico talking about it there last week. Um, you don't realise how important the contribution that fans make is until they're not there. And I mean, especially now, like with the Bows game coming up, the, the fact that it's going to be played in an empty stadium, it does take away from something, you know, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's great that the games are still happening, but Jesus, I can't wait for crowds to come back. Yeah, it's going to, I think the appetite for people to get out and go to games will be huge when it's allowed again. Uh, and lastly, to the um, question about the Tifties 150, where did I listen to it? Um, bit of a boring answer, really, in the car, where I listened to most of them. Congratulations on making 150, by the way. That's an incredible achievement. Um, the most unusual place I would have listened to uh, a Tifties podcast, probably uh, Las Vegas during a poker tournament. Had a loud American sitting beside me who just never... He was like Alan Cawley on steroids. You know, just would not stop talking. Kept rabbiting in my ear, commenting on every bit of play. And he was a total pain in the arse. So I put on um, the podcast there. I had Gary and Prof in my ears, keeping me calm. Went on to win the tournament. So all's well that ends well. So um, that's my answers for the uh, five questions to the hotline. And uh, best of luck with the next 150 podcasts, lads. You're doing a great job. Fair play to you. How are you doing, folks? Uh, Jay McLean here doing the Tifties uh, hotline. So, uh, top three goals. Really hard to answer that one. Uh, I've been wrecking my brains over. Three that, three that stick in my mind are uh, Twig's first goal against Sligo. The very first goal scored in Tala. That sticks in the mind for obvious reasons. Uh, second one would be Twig again. Uh, that second goal against Bowles uh, in Tala the, for the celebration. That was, that was fantastic. And another goal that always sticks in my mind is when Royce, uh, Stephen Royce got the first goal in White Hart Lane. Um, pl- uh, player that's standing out for me at the moment would be Big Al. Uh, he's the standout player for me. Uh, I know he had the, the bit of a slip up there, but he's pulled off some amazing saves already so, so far this year and always does for us. So he, Big Al will be, be my standout player. Um, my best and worst memory of a derby. My best memory of a derby would be uh, the first time I got to bring Sean to uh, to Daly Mount. Uh, Sean's been coming to Rovers with me since he was a small kid, but uh, the ex-wife would never let him go come to Daly Mount uh, until a few years ago when she finally relented. And uh, we won that game. I think it was three 0 or three one, and just the. Uh, 
the 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 how happy he was, the joy that you know I was trying to sell him. Like you know, it's not like this all the time. That's 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 the best memory that'll stick in me mind forever. Uh, I don't really have a worse memory of of um of of of, of, of uh. I watch a call of games against Bowes. Sorry, I'm getting tongue tied here, because uh, it, it's it's been that long since since we've since you know since we've had bad results against them, and I always tend to just forget about them as soon as you know when that did happen. I just I just put it on my mind. You know, I don't I don't I don't dwell on things like that. So I don't really have a bad memory when it comes to Bowes. There's very few and far between. Um, what's pissing me off at the moment? Football, well, football boys, obviously, yeah. Uh, not been able to get the talent on a Friday night and see people, you see your friends, and you know check in with the lads and what have you, you know. But here, look, there's a there's a there's a lot of people suffering out there at the moment, you know. So, you know, we just have to grin and bear it for another while, and hopefully everything will get back to normal. Uh, what's the last question here again? Oh yeah, where did I listen to Tifty's 150? I listened to Tifty's 150 in the bed, and the strangest place I've listened to it is in the bat. So, there you go. Slango foil. How are you, lads? Matty O'Dowd here. Hope you are keeping well. My top three Rovers goals are all European goals. Number three would be Borky at home to Boleslav. Number two, Green are away to Limassol. And number one for me, Gary McCabe's equaliser home to Partizan Belgrade. I feel the goal slips under the radar a bit. He beats maybe three, four defenders and coolly slots a pass the keeper. My standout performer so far this season has been Danny Mandrew. I think he slotted into the team perfectly and will improve with more games. My best derby memory is the 3-0 win at home the Sunday after the event is away. It was a cracking day and the game just had everything. Red cards, Twiggy's finish. Unbelievable. The worst derby memory is the 1-0 loss in 2010 in Daily Mount when Jason Bourne scored. When we thought we'd blown the league. I think every Rovers fan will remember leaving the ground that night. What's pissing me off the most at the moment is no fans of football. Nothing else needs to be said. I listened to the Tifties 150 in work and the strangest place I've listened to the podcast was in the National Modernity Hospital in Hollis Street while my missus was in labour. Stay safe, lads. Keep on hooping. It's Emma Wheatley here and my top three Rovers goals. Number three is Paddy McCourt versus Bray Wanderers in 2005. We were playing in Daily Mount that year and being managed by Roddy Collins. So all in all, it was pretty awful. Um, McCourt's second goal that day against Bray is probably the best thing and maybe the only thing I took from that season. Number two is Alan Dodd's goal against Shells in 1994. We were closing in on the title and we had to finish the season playing Shells back to back, about four or five days apart. So this is from the game in a packed Tolka. Couple of minutes in, ball passed back to Jody Byrne in goal for Shells. Cleared it, but only to a Rovers player who headed it back toward goal. And I remember Alan Dodds steaming through the middle, let the ball drop over his shoulder and just hit the dinkiest of dinks over the keeper. And uh, yeah, it was just a great goal and a great day. And my number one is Jack Byrne versus Dundalk last season in Tala. And I'm picking that goal um, 
in February in the 3-2 game because like everyone else, I've watched it over and over and over. It's a stunning goal and definitely goal of that game. So the Rovers player for me, who's been my standout so far this season, uh, I want to say one of the new signings. I really do because they've all been brilliant. But for me, it's Graham Burke. Even without that wonder strike against Derry, he's just been unplayable. And that free roll allows him just to cause carnage. Um, and long may it continue. My best derby memory is an easy one. It's the Sunday afternoon derby in Tala, 2010, after we played Juve. And uh, we'd all nearly dried out of our clothes, our shoes, our passports after getting back from Italy. And it was a gorgeous day in Tala you know, two, maybe even three degrees. Uh, we hammered them 3-0 and Flinner kicked McGlynn up the arse. So the perfect day. Uh, the worst memory, that's an easy one as well to remember, unfortunately. I wince every time that Sheriff celebrate the anniversary of it. It's the 6-4 in Santry. Um, I think I've repressed most of the memories of the game, but I do remember Damien Richardson um, saying it was one of his most humbling and humiliating experiences and thinking, yeah, Damien, same. So yeah, that was a bad one. My podcast listening habits have changed. I'm still working from home and I usually go for a stroll around lunchtime. So I listened to Tifty's 150 on the walk up to the walk around and the walk back from St. Anne's Park. Um, I usually complain that my commute into town doesn't allow me to listen to a whole episode right through. But working from home certainly does. The strangest place I've listened to the podcast, I think, is Kortrijk in Belgium. I was over there at a conference in April 2019 not long after the Bowes game where Paul McLaughlin decided to fuck us over more than he usually does, sending off Clark and Grace. And I remember strolling around this gorgeous medieval city, trying to relax and prepare for a presentation, but instead effing and blinding and agreeing with what was being said. So yeah, definitely got some strange looks. Um, What has been pissing me off at the moment? I think it's probably that we seem to be all sort of stuck in limbo. I love seeing the new fixture list when it's released because there's dates, there's times, venues. You know, on Fridays, you'll take a half day to travel somewhere on an on away trip and you book your annual leave around the European stages. But there's none of that now, none of that structure. So I think, yeah, that's a little bit difficult and, and it's pissing me off slightly at the moment. So that's me. Hi everyone, it's Ryan LeGrew here. Um, great to be back on the podcast. Um, my favourite Rovers goals ever. Um, it was a tough, tough, tough question, but number three would be Gary Twig's goal against Bowes in the win against them in Tallaght in 2010. That finished 3-0. Um, number two would be Pat Sullivan's goal against Partizan Belgrade. And number one would also be a goal against Partizan Belgrade. That would be Gary McCabe's goal in the first leg in Tallaght. The reason I picked them three goals was because not only were they of really good quality, but there are also really important goals in the sense that they mattered. Um, as I said, we won the league on goal difference that year. We were challenging with Bowes for the title. And um, as I said, we won it on goal difference. And that game in Tallaght was massively important um, in in winning it had a big say in winning it that year and then obviously i mentioned the european goals massive um and it helped us qualify for the europa league group stages so that's why i've gone for them three but that was a tough one i had to 
had to get me thinking on for that because I thought, you know, there was been seeing plenty of good goals down the years in terms of quality and importance, but I had to, um, I went for them three. Um, with my standout Rovers player, Rovers, my standout player for Rovers so far this season has been Sean Hoare. I, thought, I think he's been really good. Um, there was people maybe, you know, maybe had doubts about signing them because the players we had there already, Pico, Grace, Joey, Scalesy, but, you know, I went for uh, went for Sean Hoare because he's been really good. Um, he's a really good reader of the game. Um, you know, strong, imposing um, centre-back. And, um, like I say, he's, what, just turned 27. And I think he's won something like, you know, 15 winners. He's 15 winners medals already in his career so far. Um, thanks, Wikipedia, for that. And he's also been in the PFAI team of the year twice. So um, I think he'll add to all that tally with Rovers. I, um, hopefully he will. And um, I think he'll be a really big player for us going forward. I don't want to big him up too much because it's really early days. But so far, so good. Um, what's your best and worst um memory of a derby um well my worst memory would probably be the the 99th minute uh the 99th minute derby probably in 2018 i mean i know we didn't beat them at all that year but like that was just it was a bad night um you know don't really want to you know like i haven't really been t- thinking about it too much because i know our fortunes have, have, have changed thankfully since then but no that that was a bad night and um it was just not really nice thinking about it. Um, we had a bad, we had a bad year that year against them, um, and that 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 kind of probably just about summed it up. And my best memory of a derby would be the cup semi final, in the FAI Cup semi final in two thousand and nineteen. I think we all fancied Rovers' chances to win the cup cup eventually that year, but um, the reality was we were going to have to beat either one off Bowes or Dundalk along the way, and obviously. As it turned out, we had to be boats, and um, which we did thankfully. But um, just a great night all around. Um, you know, great performance, great atmosphere. I mean, the scenes in the Rover section during the game and after the game will live long in the memory. And um, yeah, that would be my standout derby memory. Um, best memory from a derby. And look, we've had some great moments down the years. You know, the the first derby. Like even even if you're if you were just to look at since we moved to Tala, like I mean, we've did the first derby in Tala. Great night again, like like the three 0 game, like I mentioned earlier on, another great day. But I just think in terms of how much we all wanted to really win the cup, I went for, I went gonna go for the FAI Cup semi final in two thousand and nineteen as my best derby memory. And um, what's pissing you off at the moment, football or otherwise? Um, look, if I had to pick between football or non-football, I'll, I'll go for football because there's so many things that are non-football related that piss me off at the moment. So I can't really pinpoint one and, you know, I'd be here forever. So I'll go for football. Um, VAR is pissing me off. It's ruining the game. You see perfectly good goals being deemed offside because either you're level or either your, your hand is, is offside. And even though you can't score with your hands, they still rule the goal out, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's ruining the game. And then you see all the European Super League stuff coming in. Um, you know, I think uh, football at the top leagues around around the world is becoming less enjoyable as a result of all this. And um, that's why I'm glad that VAR will never be in the League of Ireland, thankfully. And um, I listened to Tifty's 150 in my sitting room. Um, nothing too spectacular, you know. Um, I either listen to it. I, it's where I usually listen to it there, or my bedroom. So I listen to it in my sitting room. And the strangest place I've ever listened to the podcast would be in 
um, probably an air, probably a B and B in in Iceland. And when we played over there in 2017, um, went went and got the morning of the game, went and got a subway, and brought it back to the B and B, and uh, listened to the podcast there before going down to the pub for a few hours and then watching Rovers win in Europe. Um, so yeah, an air so B and B in Iceland is the strangest place I've watched. I've listened. I've listened to the uh, podcast. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, I probably went on a bit there, but. Uh, Hope, hope all that's good and thanks for having me on. Uh, so yeah, that is a Force Five Hoopers prof. Give us your, give us your take on that. Well, my first take was a interesting mix of answers for standout player. Brilliant. Um, the it's it's good to see people. What what does that tell you? What does that tell you that so many people picking different players? That there wasn't an obvious answer. That were full of shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that there have been a few standout, but. You know, not like like a Jack Byrne of yeah. last year or the year before, not that. Nobody sort of running the show, you yeah. could say. I was uh, Matty was uh, third in the queue there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked that he left Sudi out of his top three, but then, as you'll hear uh, later on, a lot end up doing so. Yeah, it's. I mean, we've scored some absolute crackers, but it was great to hear him talk about Gary McCabe's goal, which flies totally under the radar, like you said. Yeah. Absolutely stunning goal, and there's a great slow motion uh, version of it from I think it's down at foot level, like pitch level. Fantastic! He just floats, ice skates through a couple of people, meandering in like a wistful river from the, mm. the mountains of Dublin, and uh, just slots it home. Absolutely gorgeous goal. That was against a team who were playing Champions League football not too long ago. Yeah, no, fantastic stuff. Yeah, really, uh, really kept us going. Loved Emma's top three. Very unique three goals. She mentioned Paddy McCart. Love that one. Like a fine wine, our uh, weekly, isn't she? She's certainly shown her maturity with those picks. I'll say that's much. I'll <laughs> say that much. And uh, what else do we have? Um, Con. Some great answers, as you'll hear later on again. Uh, some great answers to Strangest Place. They listen to the podcast. Con in Vegas was brilliant. Con in Vegas, uh, yeah. Listening to Carly on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine? And he still won the show. He still won the. He still won the poker tournament. Brilliant. Yeah. Alan Carly on steroids. I thought he was going to say the strangest place was listening right in front of me at Richmond Park last season, but uh, now Vegas. That was an even better answer. So some fantastic stuff from the lads there again. And once again, the Tifty's hotline. If you want to get involved, let us know. Let us know. Some you're getting handpicked at the minute, but if you do want to get involved, get in touch. No problem with that. Um. Yeah, so that was it, Prof. So uh, that was our force gang on the Tifties Hotline. So we long for 2-1 on Saturday and we made four changes with Finn and McCann. The Tinker Man is back, Prof. And he's uh, swapping and switching the team again. Green up top and P goes back in. So no centre-backs on the bench as Hoare had a knock from Derry. So we young Amaku on the bench as well, though. Um, I yeah. don't know anything about him, do you? No, no, nothing about him at all. I'm hearing good stuff, though. I'm hearing good stuff from our resident youth Correspondent, which would be Pat Tutty. Uh, Longford had four Aaron's in the squad, including Dobbs and Bolger, back in Tala. Yep, it's a lot of Aaron's. That's a lot of Aaron's. Uh, Aaron's. <laughs> so we have Amaku on the bench, and the build-up prop does an interview with Graham Bork about who he never wants to leave a club again. Well, that's nice to hear. So we can expect another 4,000 shots out of him in the course of his <laughs> Rovers career. Yeah, he's just just happy here, isn't he? 
doesn't need to go back to England. We play the kind of football that he likes. He has family here. Yeah, the Parliament Street Pele wants to stick around the inner city sensation, as he's known. I was just thinking earlier, um, do you think the likes of Berkey and, and them staying, choosing to stay, and not needing to go back to England, could set like a precedent? Well, you'd like to see it, because if the likes of Berkey with bundles of talent who decides to stay home, when possibly there is a bit of bit of interest and actually throw Chris Forrester into that conversation exactly like it's all about comfort and happiness and and maybe some some young influential players might see that and think okay well we can actually stick around and make a good living get a good education maybe go abroad eventually and come back but still have a good career in the League of Ireland so yeah. things are looking up I think slightly and on the note of the build up there was a clip of a Longford 2016 game that went up and I don't know what I was supposed to build this, but it looks so old. Like, Brasler was still in charge at this point. Mm. <laughs> it looked like it was decades old. It was like a different era, foregone era. But uh, we got the rallying cry from Mick McCarthy before the game, Gar. Oh, we did. He loves beating this. I'd say <laughs> th- this one was for Mick. This win was for Mick. We'll dedicate it to him. I'd say he was hopping around the house. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, so Mickey D, friend of the show, RL me, celebrated his 80th birthday on the day of the game as well. So happy birthday to Mick and good pal of ours. And SRSC TV video preview with Emma Jason Dunster and Tommy. So we are all set up, different angles, all sorts going on in the press box there with SRFC TV. Um, great stuff, really looking forward to it, especially with Raf. Raf is uh, he's going above and beyond, isn't he? A couple of angles, very, very, very cool. Mm. Yeah, he did another uh, behind-the-scenes video, another excellent uh, video by Raf. Uh, the thing, the SRFC TV uh, preview there you're talking about, I thought Emma was going to make Jason name nine types of fruit, but no, they actually talked about the game. Yeah, I, I, could, I could probably struggle. All you'd hear is someone whispering, pineapple. <laughs> He's like, fuck's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, like before the game, we, we predicted, you know, four or five nil here, and we were obviously way off, but... Good show by Maloney. He said that he's wary of playing teams who are off the back of a hiding, you know, and they just lost 4 0 at home to Drogheda. And then when that happens, you know, teams tend to. Book up. Yeah. They're more defensive and they're more yeah. careful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, and they probably got a bollocking off the manager as well. And he wouldn't want to be losing. He'd be a, he's a talent man, so he didn't want to have to go with his tail between his legs back to his hometown. Um, so the news trickled out that the. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I think I remember. No, actually, I got other people texting me saying, "Don't tell Prof, tell him to lower it down." I think Joe's texted me. He was like, "Fucking Madigan is on," and Robinson as well. Shame Robinson. Um, yeah. So, some tag team that. Yeah, we got uh, Dylan Watt. We got a, a Ronan Frin, and we well, got. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yep. I didn't hear these. Did mm. it actually happen? I'm just quoting what people said, but yeah, and we also got. A player getting hurted. A player getting hurted, yeah. And then I got another one. I had actually a cracker. It was um I think I think she said, Yo, the player's gonna have to start moving the ball. Like, what what? What are you saying here, Siobhan? Like she like the English language wasn't working out for her, you know? Poor girl. She gets awful dogs. In the sea. But in the <laughs> into the sea. So 1-0 on 6 minutes and a penalty. Uh, Stonewaller. And a couple of people that I know who saw the incident thought it was a red car but they obviously 
haven't been introduced to the new rules where if the referee mm-hmm. deems that he is going for the ball, it's not a red card because he's the last man. And uh, that is the way I think that came in along with the opposition player not being allowed into the wall and playing the ball out from your own box and you don't have to be outside the box. So I think they all came in together, rake of changes, but it was a penalty all day. Well, can you let the longer manager know? Because he yelled about this for about five minutes. Oh. That should have been a red card. It's not a red because he went for the ball. He yeah. went for the ball and the referee felt like he went for the ball, therefore it's a yellow. Don't read up in the rule book. Mm-hmm. So Dylan Grimes, or Grimey as he likes to be called, he stuck away the penalty. Uh, so the first half hour we got with three yellow cards, which is, I've kind of noticed this in games. I mean, we're going to get getting kind of silly bookings. Like McCann, that's the second time he got an early yellow, yeah. which you don't really want. It's the sloppiest I've ever seen uh, us in, the, no, not ever, but it's the sloppiest I've seen us play in a long time. This, this was our worst 45 minutes in at least two years, I'd say. We gave all the way... I think three times in the space of 10 minutes one was a penalty two were yellow cards because they hacked them down after giving the ball away in a dangerous position in our own tour I thought we totally eradicated that wasn't the case giving the ball away and then chasing the player down pulling them back it's a yellow card that's how it works so we gave away a penalty and we got two yellow cards stupid stupid things three times giving the ball away and it's the worst I've seen us play in a long time I don't even have any notes about this first half Very just that we were awful Dort, and we we're going with the rough with the smell here. Like they were, we were shocking, shocking. So I think we we'll move on. I, I honestly don't feel the second half was a huge improvement, though. No, yeah, we, we weren't. We were nowhere near. We weren't on form at all. We didn't deserve. Like well, I don't think we deserved the three points. It was better, but first fifteen minutes, I think we came out blazing. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But little start actually. First, that's the first time we've conceded a league goal. In the first half since Derry away in August of last year. Jesus. Oh yeah, the 2-1 so win. So they've all been second half goals since then. Uh, we were 1-0 down that night. As you say, we came back to win 2-1. It's the first time that we've been behind at mm-hmm. half time of a league game in Tala since we lost 1-0 to Bowes in April 2019. That was with the two red cards. Oh yeah. Prof with the stats. Well, there you go. Long time since we were behind at Tala in the league. Um... Yeah, it just it was there was nothing to write home about. It was it was so poor. It was so bad to watch, and it just wasn't clicking. Every pass was wasn't working out. It was sloppy. It was short. It was long. Everything was wasn't going right for us at all. But like you said, first fifteen minutes in the second half, we came out all guns blazing. And we, it was great. We upped the tempo big time. First 10, 15 minutes, yeah. So we came out all guns blazing for that, and on the fifty fourth minute, we got a Bork penalty. So. Uh, I, think they, I think they were saying it wasn't a penalty as well. No, they were both penalties. I think I'm nearly sure I heard their their fans giving out saying it wasn't a penalty. I think it was Kieran Bork from between the sheds. He was saying, um, well, he was giving out about two decisions anyway. Yeah, Pico won the penalty on the exact same spot that he he gave away the penalty in the first half. Uh, but I think neither team can find any, any complaints. So so far this season, Pico has missed a penalty, scored an own goal. Given away a penalty and won a penalty. <laughs> That's the score one next. On get him on the penalty. Just needs a red card now to complete the like set. That. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Which as he, as Maloney would say, you fucking case. Which he will not. You fucking jinx. Which he will not get against balls. That's that's you've jinxed it. You have. <laughs> Wait and you see. You jinxed it by saying I've jinxed it. <laughs> Double jinx. Tip me so, two heels. Spin around. So Berkey put this penalty straight down the middle, uh, banishing the memory of that one against Dundalk. This one crept in. 
very very cheeky. I I thought it, it's like he wanted to put it underneath him. Lacks a days ago. Yeah, maybe. lacks yeah. a days ago. At least he put it low. That's all they wanted. Yeah. But uh, it made me laugh if you watch the SRFC TV highlights. You can hear Siobhan commenting because the stadium is so quiet. Um, you just hear Greenberg. Disability. <laughs> so second half performance, yeah, bro. We were good coming out of the blocks, and uh, other but, than that, it was well. The subs made definitely made an impact. You got uh, McCann and Gary O'Neill playing together, which we didn't expect. I don't see why like um, people seem to think that can't happen. Yeah. But it was O'Neill and Gaffney who came on, so it was those two who definitely made a difference. Um, the crosses in the second half, I mean, they were always either overhit or they wouldn't be the first man. Even our corners were annoying me. Very frustrating. Like, Pico is not going to score five goals this season. We talked about this, didn't we? we it's not, not de- going to happen. Yeah, our delivery is uh, is suffering. And listen, that's what happens when you lose players like Jack. Is the delivery that he had? It was fantastic, and it is. It's starting to affect us because we we had we had a couple of set pieces in the locker purely because of Jack's delivery. It's not happening. And at one all, uh, Longford. To be fair to them, I mean they were working hard and well organised, but they did threaten Al a couple of times. Uh, did threaten him on goal. Uh, we had a few efforts on goal before the winner. <coughs> we had. I actually don't know what they were but Dude. it was a Dylan Watts chance right at the end anyway it was a lovely true ball by Berkey and the keeper made a great save with his feet oh yeah I remember that one yeah it was Roy Adam so that was like the 91st minute or something so you're thinking that's it that we, was the that chance that was our chance that was the chance yeah but then on 93 minutes uh, Sean Gannon uh, fluke to be honest well struck but mm. it, it, did it go in off the keeper and bounce in off the bar but oh, wicked deflection wicked it wasn't deflection. going anywhere near the back of the net so jammy as you like but we'll take it there was soldier Guinness everywhere all over the sitting room uh, which is absolutely gorgeous by the way I definitely recommend it cheap plug for soldier Guinness 100% is our official soldier partner of the of the podcast Slaunch of Guinness can you eat vegan jetties with your Guinness this sounds absolutely great sounds like a great little combo um, yeah so that's um, yeah Sean Gannon first league <coughs> first league goal for the club because he he scored three goals in his first battle and they were all in cups ah oh, good stuff there you go Rough with the and another new goal score they're, they're really spread out again this season and a uh, little birdie told me that at the start of the season when they were doing the team photos uh, Sean Gannon didn't see the point of doing a goal celebration he said I'm sure I hardly ever score what's no. the point in doing this but he did it reluctantly I think and here you go now what <laughs> he scored already ok so but, um, um, yeah and we should we should mention nervy ending they had a chance right to death I know it was, it was a it was killer wasn't it I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe they even got near our goal at that stage it should have been battening down the hatches but we got out of jail again here. That's two late equalizers and a, a late winner at this point. Like it's not it's not ideal, mm. but once it, like it is three points, I think we look back on it at the end of the season thinking those are really, really important. But we need to be able to start playing well and get and not getting out of jail like that. You know what I mean? We're getting very, very lucky. Like we did in the, the game against Drada as well, but um, we'll move on with a quote and with the other results that night it put up the put the hoops top of the table and Tommy Kelly says top and we haven't even got going yet. Which is very true. And then we have Kieran Stafford. He says, most importantly, every single CUNT in Ireland 
We'll be absolutely sick getting that notification. <laughs> and that is the total truth because a couple of Pats guys in work, uh, they were leaving their own game and they were saying that Rovers wasn't over yet and a couple of them were in the car apparently saying, well, if them fucking bastards score late again and then it came ringing in the live score, they oh were sick. <laughs> oh my God, Gary, we've become that team. Yeah. It's amazing, hate. isn't it? We've become the Dundalk 2019 team with the yeah. late winners. It's amazing. It feels good. Yeah. We're still not keeping clean sheets, though, Prof. And this is a worry. I think Joey's organisational skills are needed. His constant barking and badgering of players to keep in position and to stay in doing what they have to do is essential. And I think we've lost that little bit of a, mm-hmm. a little bit of an edge with Joey out of the team. But that's not to say that. You know, we haven't got capable replacements, but we just have lost that little bit of an edge with Joey not in the team. As for the last man standing there, uh, about 90% of us were blessed. Absolutely blessed. Blessed. But once again, a fantastic pick by the all-knowing, all-seeing Tifty's team here. We are running. <laughs> what are you gonna... talking You're down in life. <laughs> <laughs> what did I pick last week? You picked Undock the first week. They, they, were, they looked good, right? Um... Yeah, so that's we're not keeping clean sheets. We have to. That's something we have to address. I think. Uh, well, it's uh, it's moving on to their Twitter account calling the Shams all night. An example: of the eighty-third minute, two throw-ins that were blatantly ours given to Shams. Great stuff. Once again, yeah. the the small-mindedness of these other clubs is astounding. You know. Uh, Mr. Maloney put up that screenshot on Facebook and he said, "You'd love to see it. The most obnoxious, childish, and bitter social media team in Irish football." Oh yes, Maloney with some barbs going into the Midlands. Yeah, serves him right to cushy balls. Yeah, but, uh, and your man who uh, is behind that Twitter account, same fella who did the program against the B team last year, where he didn't write uh, Shamrock Rovers on the cover. He he goes on Twitter and he brags about Rovers fans being in his mentions. You know, rent-free and all that crap. Nobody cares about you, mate. I I replied to him and then he later deleted it. So if you're going to be a dickhead, at least stand over your tweets. Yeah, at least be proud of being a dickhead, you know. He's terrible, he really is. It's not a non... I wouldn't even bother with him anymore, it's... It's it's gone beyond that. Remember we had an inter we had an exchange last time and he was he was like he put up a picture of a guy throwing his fists, he's like, Me and Tala. So I was like, Who exactly are you gonna punch when you go into Tala? Because <laughs> it's no no one in the rover side of things, because that's not gonna happen. And then he was complaining about getting be abused and bullied and stuff like that. He was just making stuff up. Making shit up, yeah. Uh Phelan Warren, commentary for the visually impaired, said, I'm gonna take this in soon enough because Sometimes I I might not be able to, for the next week or two. I might miss one. I won't miss the derby. I might miss something. This commentary could be perfect for me. I could actually I could actually listen and get the game, get the analysis. So sure you wouldn't rather Siobhan Madigan. Siobhan. <laughs> the two lads behind us when they got the winner were utterly desolate, and that is a fantastic description. And I hope Phelan rubbed it right in. We know who that is, don't we? Um, it's, it's Dundalk and occasional Longford supporter Kieran. Oh, he was He's sick, yeah. It. Which I still don't get. I still don't get how he can support two teams in the same league. I have no word. <laughs> so okay. part two, Prof coming up of the Tifties Hotline. Yellow. Good evening, Carl and Gary. Peter Fitzpatrick here. 
Congratulations on the 150th episode of Tales from the East Stand. Great pod. You should be very proud of all your all your efforts to date. The best Shamrock Rovers goals I have seen since I became a fan are number three, Mick Leach, with our second goal in the 1968 Cup Final. Number two, Gary McCabe, scoring the equaliser versus Partizan Belgrade and Talent in 2011. And number one, Jack Bourne's goal versus Brown in Talla 2019. Our standout player today, so far this season, in my opinion, is Sean Hoare, who has taken his chance with both hands and shown everyone what a really good player and a great addition to the squad he is. My best memory of a derby so far is Shamrock Rovers 3, Bohemians 0 in August 2010. This game was played a few days after the Juventus game and Shamrock Rovers blew away Bohemians in their quest to win the league. My worst memory of a derby is Rob Cornwell scoring the late winner in Tala in 2018. What's pissing me off at the moment? Well, the first thing is not being able to attend games. And the second one is the juvenile behaviour of our politicians who are supposed to be running the country and leading us through this pandemic. I listened to the, listened to the Tifties 150, as usual, while out walking along the coast here in Baldoyle. And to date, I have not really listened to it in a very awkward position, I mean, a very awkward place. Take care, boys. Keep up the good work. Goodbye. Hello, uh, Tommy Kelly here. Uh, my top three Rovers goals since becoming a fan. Um, number one would have to be Borky against Mlada Boleslav. An absolute fucking screamer. And considering we were right behind it as well when we hit it. A prime view of, of that finish. That's number one. Number two would have to be Sully in Belgrade. Absolute fucking peach of a volley. And number three, I think goes to Borky's most recent one from the halfway line. Uh, so Borky's stealing the limelight and all of them. Um, which Rovers player has been the standout before so far this season? Um, I'd say Liam Scales or Sean Hoare. Um, I'd, give it to, I'd go Liam Scales so far just because Hoare was missed the last one. Scales never put a foot wrong as well. He just seems to be improving every time he plays. He looks an absolute beast. So I'm going to give it to Low for Scales. Um, best and worst memory of a derby. Poor oh, Jesus. Best, I'd say, would be Finner's last minute winner. In Daily Mount, the one that everyone thought Manus scored, um, purely because of where I watched it and what happened in the aftermath. <laughs> sure, everyone knows that story. And the worst would have to be the six-four. So we'll say no more about that. And move swiftly on. Um, what's pissing me off at the moment, football or otherwise? <sighs> I think we're all in the same boat now, aren't we? What's pissing everyone off is football. Firstly, the lack of. And now what's going on with these fucking greedy bastards in the elite European fucking Super League, whatever the fuck it is. 
it's an absolute fucking farce. But hopefully it can only be good for our league. Like I'm already hearing lads from where I'm from and stuff like that. Absolute bars they always talking about now supporting Rovers and starting to go to games and stuff. So hopefully it can only benefit our league. Uh, where did I listen to these? Tell some the East on 150. At home. I don't really get to listen to them as often as I used to. But uh, at home. And the strangest place I've ever listened to a podcast would have been in the bath with me dad. I'm only joking. At home. It's the only place I get to actually fucking listen when I get a few minutes. So that's my five questions done. Anyway, lads, thank you. K-O-H. Gary Shaw. Uh, I'm going to jump straight in. Number three. Um, top three Rovers goals. Berkey uh, during the week against Derry. Um, just an outrageous finish. Um, so hard to do that. Especially on a big pitch up there. Um, a serious, serious strike. Uh, number two, gonna go with Greener's goal um, against the Cypriot team. I think it was. I think they were Cypriot. Um, just whatever he was, with 40 yards out, top in. Absolutely scandalous strike. And best goal, I'm gonna go with. Gonna go Berkey again. Um, the one against Milada Boleslav and Tala. Um, think I don't know who threw it into him, but he let it run across his body, and he just smashed the first time, and it went right over my head as well. And you can see in the video of me, I just put my hands to my face, just like in awe, just an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous strike. Um, best Rovers player so far this season. To be honest, I haven't seen much of Rovers. Um, I've watched the Presidents Cup, seen a few bits and pieces, and obviously heard bits and pieces from the podcast. Um. From playing them, we played them in pre-season, and from kind of what I've heard and seen, uh, I'll go. Rory Gaffney seems to be having a decent impact this season so far. He's staying injury-free. Um, scored a couple of goals against us in pre-season. Scored a goal up in Sligo, um, and seems to be doing well. So I'll go with the big red machine up top. Uh, Dublin Derby, best and worst memory. I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the worst and finish with a good one. Um, worst one was definitely the three-one defeat, first game of the season, 2018. Went one 0 up, Finner scored up in front of the Rovers fans, and then kind of just maybe it was like 15 or 20 minutes of madness. Second half and Bowes bet us three-one in the end. Horrible, horrible night. Um, forgot about that one very, very quick. And then the best was, uh, the best was definitely in Tala when we bet them, three uh, one as well. I think it was. Um, I scored in that one to make it two one, and then me and Boydie linked up to make it three one. He went off and went ballistic in front of the Bowls fans. That was a, uh, that was deadly. That was great crack, and just pissing them off was even better. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the best Dublin Derby memory. There's been a few decent ones, but that was definitely the best. Um, what's pissing me off at the moment is, and it's not football related at all, but it's actually cutting the fucking grass at home here. I hate doing it. I hate mowing the lawn. Um, starting to grow up, and just the absolute hassle front and back garden, the absolute hassle of it. 
so yeah that's what's pissing me off at the moment random one but that's that's definitely it. i have a full summer of it now so i'm raging um i listened to tifty's 150 in the car on the way to training up and back a few times and um, got through it um, and the strangest place i've listened to the podcast would be on the tube in london and it was when i got fitted for my face mask the the mask i wore when i broke my cheekbone i think we had just beaten uh i think what was it it was cork yeah it was cork we just beaten cork and i listened to that episode and i was going over to london uh, and listened to it on the tube because i had i was over there for the whole day essentially so i threw that on on the on the tube in london so that's probably the most random place i listened to the podcast hey guys bobby fitzgerald and um, my three favorite goals since i started supporting rovers would have been Pat Sullivan against Belgrade in the Europa League. That was an amazing goal. Um, Dean Kelly against UCD in 2011 to win the league on a awful wet night that was. And then Aaron McInef in the cup final against Dundalk. I know it was only a penalty, but it was just one of them moments you just want time to stop still, isn't it? And outstanding player this season, um, Alan Marnus without doubt. His presence in the team and how he organises the fence. Um, yeah, he's just been exceptional since he came back to the club. And I think he's just kept us in games um, that we probably didn't deserve to be in at times. But yeah, he's just been amazing. Um, best memory from a derby would definitely be the semi-final against Bowes. Um, even walking up from O'Connell Street that day up towards... Fips were like all the fans, all young, um, everything like just from different sections of the club was just a togetherness, and yeah, obviously the result then. The worst memory of a derby would have been four nil, uh, defeat the Bowes um, under Stephen Kenny in two thousand and twelve. Especially coming off like an amazing season in two thousand eleven. To that, like, was just such one of them uh, turning points, wasn't it? Um, what's pissing me off at the moment? I'd say, like, everyone else just kind of lacked a social life and being able to go to have matches, events, concerts, etc. We'll hopefully be back in the stadium soon. Um, yeah, I listened to the 150 podcast. Yeah, just in the house or whatever. And the strangest place I would have listened to the podcast, definitely say Bali Airport during one of them long haul flights. But I used to listen um, in Vancouver a lot as well. Hello, hotline. Finally, I'm after getting through. Three minutes of adverts about bleeding Leinster credit and Ocean's Electrical for Jesus' sake. Roy, question one about the three best Rovers goals I've ever seen. Uh, I'll go in reverse order and, and, and say big, lanky Jason Mike McGuinness. Uh, remember, do you remember him? Well, he once scored an absolute worldy against one of them non-league teams in the cup, uh, two, 2005, I believe. Uh, he, he was miles out, and the ball went off off the bar and everything. I, I come here. He probably tell you himself it, it, it was just a clearance, a stocking he was. 
And listen, this, the, the second one on my on list is a, is a gold by, by the great Johnny Giles, uh, circa 1975, uh, 79, I should say. This was a gold against uh, Clifton, Cliftonville in the, uh, the old All-Ireland Tyler Cup at Milltown. Uh, now it, was a, it was a long time ago, and I, I know the mind can play tricks on you, but I, I tell you, Believe me, he, he caught it on a volley with his weaker foot from about 45 yards. 45 yards. And he, he, he'd forgotten his boots that day. So, so he wore a pair of satin slippers. Unbelievable player, Josie. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I suppose then, number one, uh, you know, I, I wanted to say Borky against uh, Milady Malatovs um, in 2017, but I wasn't at that one. Oh, I was actually, uh, I was actually in the hospital. Um, it's a long story, and I, I, but I, 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 I'd like to pick a game I've seen. Um, I've, I've, I've gone with Gary Twig in Bray in two thousand and ten. Uh, the, the night we won the league, what a great night! Uh, you know, granted it's not a spectacular one, but but it's more what it meant. You know, like this is it: the crowd and the atmosphere round the keyboard, toy angle, calm finish. Bob's your uncle, first title in sixteen years. You know, it was great. It was, great. It was unbelievable. Uh, we only need a draw to be uh, the Boas on, on, on the on the gold average. They were playing. Uh, they were playing uh, Dundalk at the same time, if I remember. And I had the old transistor radio up to my ears for the whole game. Uh, and, and the commentator, I believe, it was some young fella called Siobhan Madigan calling the action. Uh, excellent coverage, as always. Uh, very passionate about the, the beautiful game. Uh, but Bowes needed to score something like five or six goals every few minutes or something just to be... Just to be uh, you, 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 just to, you, you, you just hear uh, Paddy Madden is, is true on goal. Miss. Paddy Madden with a chance. Miss. Paddy Madden again. Wild. Good times, I tell you. We owe Paddy a point of beamish next time he's in Tallinn. He's a great man. Great man. My um, standout performer by, by, by a Shamrock Rovers player this season is Brandon Kavner. Uh, he's banging in the goals, all right. Not just for us, but for the Bray Wanderers. Uh, I'd say my old pal Charlesy, uh, uh, he, he loves him down there, he does. Uh, did you see he got the gold he scored a couple of weeks ago? Cracker. It was unbelievable. Uh, the camera got, got a lovely close-up of the corner flag as it, as, as it, as it flew in. It's beautiful. Unbelievable. But listen, uh, you... you uh, are you telling me that that Graham Bork, Danny Mandaro, uh, Dylan Watts, Ronan Finn, Gary O'Neill, Christopher McCann, and Richie Towell, when he, when he comes on, are, are, are they better than Brando? I don't, I don't think so. I think I put him in leg. Right, so since I can pick Brando, um, because he's been unfairly left out in the cold by, by Bradley, I, I, I suppose I'll, I'll go with Rory Gaffney. Uh, it only took him a year or two to score a goal, but he did it in Sligo, fair play to him. Uh, I tell you, the, 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 the gingers make great target men. I've always said this, always said this. Like Romania in the World Cup, you should dye them all in luminous orange, you know. Even Mona would have scored that free header in Sligo, though. Come on, it's an awful miss. Uh, another thing, what's the story, Rory? I, I, I've, I've had an idea for ages. Uh, about what our, our, our anthem uh, should be when the players come onto the pitch. 
Uh, now listen, I didn't agree with that force, but I agree with it now. The club definitely needs an anthem, and I've 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 I've, I've had the, uh, the the Sean said the the email about this and all numerous times now, and we haven't got an anthem, and I, I think it's a disgrace, you know. Uh, my best memory of a derby, listen, I'm following the club 40 years, so I've had a lot to choose from here, you know. But uh, I'd say it would have to be Jason Caldwell's gold after 15 seconds in the 1998 senior, uh, Leicester Senior Cup at Daily Mount. Now, we ended up losing on penals, but we, we hadn't much to shout about back then, if you know what I mean. But, but no, no home or anything. Uh, uh, very bleak, you know. Uh, so the score against that mob straight in the tip was 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 not only brilliant but was hilarious. I, I to see Jason uh, now and again, and uh, I always bring it up. I say to him, 15 seconds, well, some gold." And you can see in his face as he walks briskly in the opposite direction. He he, he loves being reminded of it. You know, it's a, it's a great memory for him to have. You know, great memory. As for the worst memory, which I look, it was obviously the far nil at Daly owner the spoofer, Stephen Kenny. It was absolutely shocking. That's shocking. Hockey uh, was over by, 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 by a bunch of kids and, and a Leinster senior league players. That, that, that was embarrassing. That was, I made it to the front of the queue with a chipper van a half time quicker than Graham Garton and caught up a Carl Moore. I watched it from the Jody and I, I remember I, I was leaving out of early protest. But, but, but I ended up sticking around until the final whistle. So I was, I was standing this close to Stephen Kenny. Now, you, you, you can't see me, but this close, right? My fingers are very close here. Very close there. And I, as he walked by, by me with his head down, and I says to him, I says, yeah, and this is not one of a lie. I shout at him, you're after setting this club back five years. Now, listen, in, in hindsight, looking back, I, I, I was wrong when I, when, when I, when I said that. Because uh, I was wrong, and I'll admit that. Because it was actually seven years he, he set the club back, not five. I tell you what, I tell you what's grinding me gears now at the moment. And come, come here to me. How long do I have? Really, the, the, the vaccine for starters. I'm, I'm waiting on my job. I'm going out my mind here with, with, with all these lockdowns and restrictions. Yeah, but I just wanted to get get my life back. You know, step aside isn't all it's cracked up to be. You know. It's like basically all there is here is a high cross and a centre, you know, and I can't get to the game, so of course that's a, that's a, that's a big thing as well, you know. Uh, but, but more than that, what's annoying me is, is people making fun of how I speak with, with all the different nationalities, right? Now, well, excuse me if I don't know much about these foreigners, right? Uh, look at the 2012 one, me and Roland Finn interview. What, what were they called again? That the pub from, from the USSR, the egg cartons or the enchiladas or, or, or whatever they were called. Oh, Jesus, I tell you, I'm getting hungry here. Right, and, and, and the last question here, where do I listen to Tifty's 150 and what is the strangest place I've ever listened to a podcast? These are nonsense questions, lads. These are nonsense questions. Uh, I listened to that to, to, to the 150 uh, one, one, on my on on daily walk. Uh, the, the, the 5k limit was, was, was lifted just before there, so, so I got to go out. Um, but, but normally I'd just be strolling around step aside and up down drum way, you know, when I load it up on the cloud line and, and, and listen, listen to it there. 
uh, Parsons and, and the prof. It was very good. Uh, I'll admit that now. It was very, very good. Pigo was a great fella. Ah, he's a wonderful fella. Ah, for, ah stop. He's a diamond of a, of, 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 of a bloke. Uh, although we've, we've heard your flashbacks, and I must say that that Rovers radio on the MySpace sounds like a better show altogether. You know, we, we can bring that back. Uh, I, I, I believe we, we get Dunster on the blower. He'll make it happen. Uh, and, and then finally, the strangest place. Well, I suppose I, 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 I went to a concert uh, down in the point. I took uh, my lovely wife and, and, and mother-in-law and uh, Andre Ryu, uh, which actually was shocking. You know, I couldn't get into it now myself. So, so I, 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 I had a listen uh, on, on the South Cloud and uh, that's, the, that's probably the strangest place I've listened to it now. Because, um, yeah, he was awful. Uh, it was all, you know, Blue Rinse Brigade. And it, was, it was terrible, terrible stuff. Which, I look, that's all, that's all from me. I'm off to get yeah, another photo to kill Gavin Cross. Sweet Santa and suffering Jesus. So there we go, Garrett. Some killer voicemails there. Oh, yeah. But fear not, we're going to find some more bodies to do the hotline because it's a very popular feature, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. It certainly is. I mean, we could make... I mean, we could make this a, s- a serial thing, you know? Yeah. It could be really good. Absolutely. I'd never noticed that... Um, Shawzy for Berkey's goal against Vlad uh, Balasov. Shawzy was putting his uh, hands on his head, similar to what Trevor Malloy was doing. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, for the Paddy McCart goal. What a goal. I'd never copped that before. No. No. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, that's one of the first ones. One of the first things I noticed. Like, yeah. Shawzy. I like how everybody, like, we've interviewed 10 people there, and they're all given a very predictable answer to what's annoying them. It's like not getting into the games, which makes sense. Not get into the games, so you just over and over again. Not get into the games, and it comes to Gary Shaw. He cut me bleeding grass. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, what? I can feel for you actually. Um, yeah, so good about Bobby Fitz. Bobby Fitz murdering the points over in Vancouver, prof. Milling yeah. the points, you know, getting away with it. So Shawzy has cut the grass, but we got we got a tweet from Paddy O'Sullivan saying that he's actually deliberately finding thing to do in the garden. Just to listen to us, Gary. That's not a bad idea, yeah. Never yeah. mind if you have you could listen to our sultry tones yeah. cutting the grass. So as we mentioned earlier, Khan listened to us in the poker tournament in Vegas. So we had for different answers, we had a poker tournament, we had a Belgian city, we had on the tube in London, we had an Iceland B and B, a maternity ward, and a bat. And the bat. In yeah. the bat. A few of them listen in the bat, don't they? <laughs> Keep coming for another well, one. No, it was Tommy who said he was joking. Uh, Tom, Tommy in the bat with his father, no doubt. Yeah, I hope he's joking. So that sounded uh, enticing, Tommy. Well <laughs> so we've Jamie McLean. Bat with me, dad. <laughs> we've J- Jamie McLean with a cigar and a glass of wine, girl, enjoying our dulcet of tones. Yeah, absolutely. F- struggling to get out of the bath because he's that drunk. I'll still never forget that. Never forget that live show. Came in fine, great. And then now he's asleep in the back room on a, on a, on a bean bag. <laughs> And then he had a second win. He came back. Apparently, he was on a poke whiskey like all morning. Yeah, he was all. He yeah. was out on all night. I wouldn't say he was grand coming in. And then we had old Winston at the end there, girl. Yeah, Winston. Yeah, he got. He's a bit nervous, wasn't he? A bit nervous. His stutter. I think his stutter comes into play when, when he starts getting a bit nervous. Not impressed with the uh, step aside village, is he? <laughs> no, no, the Kilgobbin Cross. <laughs> so uh, great stuff again. 
You gonna pick your top three goals or not? Ah, on the spot. Jesus Christ. Ah, has to be Boleslav. Has to be one of them. Boleslav has to be one of them. Borky Boleslav. Do you care if you were there at the game or not? No. Otherwise, I would have put Sodi in my top three. I yeah no, I think you have to be there. I think it has to be there. It's a personal Mm. experience, isn't it? I I think possibly Twigs. Twigs first goal in the first Dublin derby because it was so shite and scrappy yeah and it was mental and it was, it was nuts it was mayhem and we were still celebrating that like that was absolutely epic beyond Wait, belief that one? was the real celebration the one he kind of flicked in the header was the second one oh it was yeah. bouncing around the box and he flicked it in with the back of his heel and it was bedlam that was the real celebration the other one went in I only saw it hit his head I was like <laughs> fuck off <laughs> this isn't happening so um, I'm going to go I'm going to go Buckar Bailey as well at home to to Jaden's first match and we were down and out didn't didn't look like scoring at all and then Buckar squeezed it in from, from side but I could go on again like you know they're just ones that are popping into my head I'm gonna, I'll come back to you next week <laughs> those are some that are just popping up you know Buckar that was a great call but um, yeah so yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. So, like I said, if you're interested in Tifty's hotline, get in touch. So we went up to Loud, um, cultural capital of Dublin or Ireland. Did you see that photograph of the teams waiting to come out? Yeah. And this horrible boarding in the background. In bits. It's like something of Angela's ashes, like 14th century Limerick. As someone said, like, how, how much effort would it take to just? Do a job on that. Little or nothing. Treat it like your own house. That's why I say. You should be treating your stadium like your own house. Bit of love and care, a bit of TLC, you know. We went up there, it was 1 0 in Drada, and um, a bit of huffing and puffing going on. More tinkering to the lineup, so Gaffney and Green together for the first time this season. Um, yeah, they actually started together once before. Uh, it was in Sligo over a year ago. But uh, first time this season. Yeah, a little bit of tinkering. Yeah. I thought Is there too much tinkering going on? Possibly. That's an issue what we're going to chat about on our starting 11s and predictions. It, it certainly is an issue. and But mm. I think, f- f- first half, they were okay. Um, when we were getting forward, it was a bit of a battle going on, battle of the fullbacks. They were having a good uh, tee-off. Whenever we got forward, they would put a ball in behind there, and that's where the, that's where the space came from. I know it was that uh, James Brown, and I think the left full... You felt good, didn't you? Connor Kane. <laughs> I think his name's Kane. So, uh, I'm waiting for you to make a WWE point here. <laughs> so, they, when they when our fullbacks went forward, they exploited that space and they were putting balls in around the left hand on the right hand side of the outer centre halves and they were getting in there. They were making a bit of space with some couple of good, couple of good crosses in from James Brown on the right hand side and they caused us a bit of trouble. And a lot of it came from us losing the ball in the middle of the park as well. Mm. So, it's our sloppiness that's given them the chances. Cut out the sloppiness, they won't get the chances. That's as simple as that. Like we're giving the ball away far too much. You thinking Bowles might? I, take I, a I'm similar thinking Bowles will or? take the same. If Bowles watch that game, and they'll if they have any sense, they'll see that their wingers Burt and I think it's Tierney as well, isn't it? The any nippy whippy guys that are going in and around the fullbacks, that's what they're going to want to exploit on a big pitch because they know that our fullbacks are going to go well on if Gannon. And Kavanaugh play, which we'll talk about once again in the in the uh, predictions. If they play, they're going to get forward, and it's going to leave space. And you're going to see them lingering. You're going to see these wingers lingering in and around that area. They're going to get told, 
Long or Crawley, we should be saying to them, wait there and wait for any breaking ball and we're going to put you in. And they work from there. And you'll have advancing midfielders coming in, maybe Ward, maybe whoever else is, Georgie Kelly, waiting to pounce while this winger comes in and bears down on our centre-half. Drag him out, create space. That's the way I'd be playing against Rovers anyway at the minute. And I think that's how they might set up, especially with that board guy. He's got an absolute cracker against Sligo. Looks good, pacey. I think I think that's how they should set up and they might do it but mm-hmm. if we're on point that's why we're going to move on to starting 11s and predictions in a while I think we need to change it in those areas particularly for this game well back to the draw of the game uh, a few Rovers lads with uh, ladders up on the wall and uh, cans on the wall cans on, the game. cans on a wall isn't that yeah. just a fantastic thing in the sunshine yeah uh, we had Mick Cook and commentary. Uh, I thought he was good. It wasn't Winston. I someone, liked him. Yeah, yeah, I liked him. I thought he was good. Yeah, no, I thought he, he was, was a bit of crack, you know, and he was complimentary and he wasn't biased, you know. So that's I think that's that's a good thing. He played for Rovers in the seventies. I don't know if you know that. There you go. You know, every day is a school day. Played for Rovers link. Uh, Bradzer beforehand said that the pitch is always a leveler. Uh, it is very small, or is yeah. Plus they didn't cut it as well. They kept it. They know. They know that's how we play. That's my opinion. Anyway, they let it grow a little bit. Was it so the ball isn't zipping around? You know, it's um it it restricts us from playing our our smart passing game, and it it did. But once again, I was down to us and the sloppiness from us. Once again, it's creeping into the game. We couldn't get those little triangles going because the start of the triangle never completed the pass. It was either wayward. It was sloppy. And it just, we struggled at times. But I think if we're going to talk about first half chances. Yeah, our passing in general on the night was quite frustrating. It was poor, wasn't it? Yeah. The first half, not a whole lot to say about it, is there? Uh thought the one Bryce Spark was maybe Gannon. thought he played quite well down the right yeah. in the first half. That would have been the, that would have been us on that neck of the woods, wouldn't it? He would have been bombing down. Yeah. And we would have been giving him. Giving him all we could. So. Shades of the great Craig Gilbert on his debut down here in <laughs> 2012. We had, a, we had a greener chance on 15 minutes. Just a lovely move building up to that. We had a goal line clearance from Gaffney mm-hmm. five minutes after that. Uh, Definitely enough chance. Like good chances for both teams in the first yeah. half. And a few minutes after that, so this is around 23, four minutes, Finn drilled it across goal. Gannon couldn't quite poke it in. There was a header from from Hoare, uh, from a corner. So that that was kind of our chances. But even in the twenty, I think it was the twenty fourth and the twenty fifth minute, they had two chances in the round that as well. So that was a yeah. packed, that was a packed, uh, a jam packed section of the game. There, mm. like I said, James Brown on the right hand side. They, he, they, they he was whipping chance. balls in, and we had to scramble to get them out. Like, yeah. and if I had it dropped, they were, they were clear shot on goal. He's played very well. They did have one great chance with a header. And uh, right after that, the ball fell to Lyons. Like, fell to him right on the penalty spot in space. Thank God it fell to him. And Pigo nipped it off him just mm. in time. So, I think that was their best chance. Uh, Deegan was doing as usual. He was growling and snarling. Uh, we relegate him two years in a row, I'll stick him on a leash. <laughs> He's fucking unbelievable, isn't he? He's like the baddie at the end of a, of a level. Isn't he? <laughs> Not a, like a, a Dr. Robotnik or... Something like that, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, second half, Prof. Um, what did you think of Gary O'Neill's performance? Did you think it was... Do you know what it seems like? It's, it seems like they're not playing... Like, the subs aren't playing terribly. It's just a change. Do you know what I mean? They're not playing terribly. Like, has who has had an awful game so far? 
Now, no one's really, really playing absolutely awful. It's just where mm-hmm. I think Brad's just looking at it going, okay, we need to change something here. And it's just mm-hmm. the personnel in the middle of the park that he happens to pick. Well, we mentioned the Longford game. Uh, you had Gaffney and Gary O'Neill coming on. They made an instant impact. Yeah. In this game, Chris McCann comes on and he's our best player in the pitch. I yeah. Think, on the but hour mark. No one could get near him. Like he, yeah. When he came on, I thought to myself, there's no one going to be able to match him. He's he's going to be excellent, you know what I mean? But even saying that, didn't they? Mm. They hadn't got uh, their danger man, Marky, starting. They were missing a couple of players, weren't they? They brought him on at 75 yeah. minutes, I think, and I thought, these are going for this. Fair play, like, I mean, Clancy brought him on. He's he's very nippy, he's a good player, he's only good in one tour to the pitch. But he he mm. had the he had the, he has the ability to open teams up, and I, I was I commend Timmy, Tim Clancy for, the, for doing that. Putting on an attacking player 75 minutes and going for it against Rovers, so fair play to him. We were playing a bit more diagonal balls than usual here in the second half, weren't we? Yeah, but this is what we spoke about in the last show, wasn't mm. it? We spoke about the small pitch, not being able to play our games, and the direct passing. It's not a long ball, it's a direct pass up to Bork or Mandrew, and then our other players join in, hold up the ball, and then swarm the cloud envelops the whole stadium. And we work our way from there, so that's how we, it's like we played against balls, you know? So we had McCann on for Gary O'Neill and we had Graham Berg on for Gaffney. So when those changes were made, Greener moved up. He had been kind of playing deep at times. Yeah, he? yeah, he was coming to collect it and bring yeah. people in. But the thing we'd never have was a striker in behind them. And that's what the difference was there. We had Burke and Heaney involved in a 50 50. Looked kind of nasty at first, didn't he? Heaney was late. Did, yeah. And there's a bit of handbags afterwards. But did you notice with Burke as well, when, when Burke gets the ball, everyone just stops. Like when he get the ball, everyone just thinks right. He's gonna beat the first guy and then he's gonna do something. So he gets the ball deep and he's he's kind of just toying with it, beats the first man, and then everything starts from that. But is that what's slowing us down? Is us depending on Bork to start the play and just have a bit of magic in maybe the the second tour of the pitch just after the halfway line when we're going to attack? Is that the problem where we're expecting Bork to do a bit of magic and then work his way in from there? Like that's what it seemed like we were doing against Strada when we brought him on. So like bring Bork mm. on, let him have the ball, and he can work it in from there. And it does slow it down. A lot like of people said. have pointed the finger at McCann for slowing us down, but not on this night. No, I think this McCann, night he was his, his passing was very accurate. I think he, McCann is going to be a big player this yeah. this week in particular. And double change. Then we had Mandrew, Mandrew, and Grace coming on. Actually, Grace was very good when he came on. Yeah, he was. Uh, some some changes we can make. Isn't yeah, it? He, he did well, like bringing the ball forward. He was always very positive. Uh, immediately when he came on, actually, he had a chance. He headed over from a corner. Um, and then we had ten minutes at the end of the game. Uh, a beautiful ball from Mandrew to Burke. Remember this one? No, I'm, t- I'm thinking of the open goal that Greener missed. He just sort of curled it to the left-hand side of the of the area. Yeah. And Berkey just didn't quite get it under control. Yeah, if he got that he first should touch, have buried it. If he'd gotten that first touch, it was a goal. But, but the, what, the, like the, the Greener, the Greener miss. That was f- <sighs> five minutes to go, yeah. It, just, it was perfect for him. It was one of those things that was bad foot, but... It was one of those crosses that gets whipped in nearly from the same area that we got the winner from. This was Watts. It just had to be yeah. guided. Didn't have to be struck. Didn't have to be powered home. No headers, nothing like that. It just had to be guided with his right foot. I think it was an air swipe. Didn't even connect. He didn't get a touch. No. Didn't get a touch in it at all. So it pretty. That's not a tap in, but it, it's. 
much like what we like with what's free kick at the end like that was perfect delivery this yeah. this was the perfect ball in as well just as good for yeah. green and when he missed that I thought it's done we're out here like it's done but once again we came back I, I'd accepted the draw yeah point. I'd accepted I it was well. like well that's it really but I think what was funny right uh, when I was watching draw it in Derry last week I noticed obviously Deegan gives away freeze and he's a he's a kicker, so he gives away free, right? But he gave away a free late on against Derry, and I'm thinking to myself when I was watching that game, I was like, "Oh, dodgy position late on in the game, can't be doing that there." And in I was in I just chatting away to him, and I'd be saying I'd be saying to him, "He stop giving away those frees, he stop giving away those frees, taking those yellows. It's gonna it's gonna bite, bite <laughs> you eventually, right?" So we get, they give away this free. Now he didn't give it away, but I could just see him go putting his head in his hands. As as Watts about to take it, just as they got the free, he put his head in his hands as he's giving out, going fucking free in that position or whatever. Parsons told me, and fucking he whips it in, and Mandrew fucking Mandroyu absolutely buries it. I couldn't stop laughing. I was jumping around the the DPH, the Dublin Parcel Hub. People were looking at me like I was nuts. Even nicer that it was Dan Massey, the, the Doc veteran, commissed a needless foul, and we get the winner from it. But the thing, uh, thing I couldn't understand was the marking. Well, it was non-existent. No one marked them. I think there was two at the back. I think there was two lining up for it. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And, and like that split second that they took their mind off the ball and 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 totally didn't concentrate. Barely, absolute bullet header, brilliant. And the way he rose as well, it was perfect timing, <laughs> perfect header. Barely, nearly in the top corner as well. Class. He said, he said he closed his eyes and hoped for the best. Man, yeah, it was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> man drew the magician. Absolutely fantastic, brilliant. 95th minute winner if only we were there oh god I'm missing it there was a great post by uh, someone on on Facebook it was like it would have been 95 minutes of fuck's sake Bradley yeah. not good enough Bradley <laughs> L. and then the same people you're arguing with we all, we're all hugging each other at the end it's madness though that's the contrast of emotions that football <laughs> brings we always talk about it like we would have been giving out especially in the Longford game we would all we're there going fucking shy fucking shy Bradley fucking yeah, oh yes <laughs> Bradley oh Bradley oh <laughs> it's fucking oh, yeah. we're fickle bastards you have to we? love it love the thought of McCann and Pigo chasing after Danny oh did you t- watch can everyone please look back at this photograph right I think I think Danny's teeth blinded the keeper first of all so that's what got him up. Keeper blindsided. Danny's big Turkish teeth blinded him. Buries the header. But as McCann's chasing him, it's like a scene out of fucking uh, The Lighthouse or what, what else was William Defoe in? I still haven't seen The Lighthouse. Apocalypse but... Now, is it? Was he in Apocalypse Now? Or no, no. Well, what's the wartime one? <laughs> Vietnam. I was staring at this photo for about two minutes just to kind of find the the, the foe resemblance. I suppose it's there a little bit. Yeah. Look at him! I'm telling you, it, it's the image of him. But what I mainly got from it is the joy in the photo. It's 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 something else. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we stopped recording there, and I googled what film he was in. I cheated. It's platoon. I can't believe I got that. I can't believe I didn't get that. It's the scene at the end. He's on his knees. Brilliant. But that's uh, yeah. Uh, McCann. McCann with his. Oscar winning performance. So yeah, uh, like you said, we're it's the former champions, isn't it? To grind out wins, and like you said before, we start recording, prof. We are now that team that don't talk where who are getting wins together when they should know, and yeah. near be getting them and getting points. And we're making a habit of this now, aren't we? These it late is, winners. It's a fantastic habit as well. It's not luck if you keep doing it. No, exactly. Yeah, great show, great saying. 
So as much as we're kind of disappointed with our our general play at times in, in the two games, I, I do admire how patient we are, the way we keep going right to the end. We just keep ticking away, don't we? And I have to say, when we were under the cosh and we did need to go, like we really looked like scoring against Rada in the last 15 minutes. We looked yeah. like scoring, we did. We were, at, we were at it and at it and at it. We were getting through, we were making, the keepers making saves. Doyle, is it McCabe or Doyle? I think it's Colin Doyle. Either way, he made a couple of saves with one, one with his feet. I think it was the Borky one we're talking about. He made he saved with his feet, did he? Couple of good saves, couple of really good defending passages. We we did look like scoring. We did. And I was thinking to myself, was like this is really unfortunate if we don't if we don't come away with the three points here. Yeah. So we do, and we do churn out um chances when we do really need it. Well, Longford was terrible. We will, we will admit to that. We we did not bar passing. Is, it has to get better. But ultimately, it's down possibly to the tinkering. We'll talk about our other results for us, though. Well, it reminded me a little bit of a, a late win. It dropped in 2011 with a Twiggy goal. Oh, it was and, 19 uh, Remember that? Sure enough, somebody on Facebook stuck up that one. Uh, a, a post of that report. And also, funny enough, Pico and the draft of the goalkeeper were, I think they were trying to recreate Ryan Thompson and Dan Murray. Going head to head. Oh, remember that? On the 10th anniversary. Brilliant. Was it the 10th anniversary? Classic. <laughs> well, not, um, not literally, but I mean, same venue, same 10 years apart. Yeah, so it was good It was good to leave the with three points, ultimately. Like, I mean, that's what it's all about. So, you can say what you want, you can you can give out, think about the team, but we're still coming home with three points. And, well, like I said, we're all titled to opinions, but I think we do need to start playing a little bit better. But, the other results now, Prof. Friday. Waterford nil, Bowes won. I called no, I, I didn't. I called a Waterford win for that one. I got it wrong. Uh, Derry won, dropped a one. So Derry getting some points on the board. Uh, it's I become my new favorite thing now, Gary. Pictures of fans on the wall. Yeah, uh, there was some kids in the wall for that Derry and Drogheda the game. Great photo that one. Some good stuff there. Yeah. Saturday we had Dundalk one and Pats one. Um, they apparently they played well the last couple last 20 minutes Dundalk were pushing for an equaliser <coughs> so Pats I think they were happy enough with that with Sligo beating Finn Harps uh, 1-0 it's not a, it's not a derby is it though it's not a derby we had this conversation before it's not a derby it's a bit, geographically it's, yeah, it's geographically, a bit much yeah. to be talking about as a derby but Sam Bowen scored for Pats in that game yeah he could rose up for a, a nice header and uh, it was a junior who scored the Dundalk very goal. scruffy goal to give away yeah they won't be happy yeah. with that Yeah, look at junior though only in Ireland could you be the league's top goal scorer and then be signed as a winger by two different clubs in the next two seasons. But Prof, he does step overs. <laughs> Will you leave him alone? Yeah, no, he's been... Uh, he's, but they're playing him in a position. Did they play him up top for Derry when he, when he got those goals? And then they're playing him out wide coming off the bench. You know, it's, it's, it's tough enough. But yeah, so the Tuesday results as well, Prof. Pats win again. 1-0 at home to Waterford and Dara Burns with a deflected effort. Uh, we Longford nil, Harps nil. I'd say that was possibly uh, torture to watch. I'd say that was awful. Well, with Siobhan on commentary again? Well, even so, I'd say it was just awful to watch. Uh, Derry won, Dundalk won. So Derry getting more points on the board here as well. And we had Abibi with an absolute mare again. And he is having a stinker of a time. Oh, Gareth, the reaction from the players. He has to Abibi number one for the season, prop. <laughs> he is terrible. That was such a lame, wimpy attempt to punch the ball. Like, get your fist covered in a big mesh glove that you can do what you want with because you get 
unknown, un, un, told amounts of protection from the ref if you're a goalkeeper. And he couldn't even punch it. Oh, seriously, if, you, if you're a Rovers fan and if you've not seen this video, pause this podcast right now and watch the reaction from the, from the Dundalk players. Yeah. It is priceless. Dan Cleary, Cleary in particular. Cleary is yeah. gas. Shields just looks like, get me out of here. Yeah, yeah, my veins. It's hooked yeah. to my veins. Can't, we, can't believe Magildan played him again. Mm-hmm. That keeper, he's like, he's the worst keeper in the he's, league. Oh, he's off his head. Charity for the rest of the season. We said this. We said it. Charity for the rest of the season. Three helders by April. Oh, wow. Brilliant. There was a banner as well at the Dundalk game that said, Tempo di andare, meaning time to go, which Jim Magildan dismissed as 20 kids which is a bit disrespectful Jimmy these are fans who probably pay into the club and are members season ticket holders you should probably shouldn't dismiss them as just 20 kids they are people with probably valuable, opinion, valuable opinions of the club that they love um, that 10 minute audio clip that went around of Bajildan and the journals that was you wow. find out in due course wow that's all I'll say can we no, are you going to be will you find out in due course <laughs> talk about the game Game, that's fucking Scottish, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and you're proud of your Billy McGlugage accent, Billy McGlugage. Yeah, he'll be back. Um, yeah, so Sunday, Filippo and Keegan were gone. Keegan walked, and Filippo got the sack. So, um, did they send his little assistant with him? No, he's staying on. Little Italian fella, maybe temporarily, but he's staying on. Anyway. It's a weird one, isn't it? What it's it, it depends on how you approach that. Like John Gill was on, I think it was the RT Soccer Podcast in the last mm-hmm. day or two, and he was saying that uh, loyalty is a big thing in football, which I normally wouldn't agree with anything he says, and I kind of agree to that to a certain extent. You know, well, Gale's, if your gaffer gets sacked, that brings you in, and you walk with him. I remember Gill stayed on um, as caretaker manager after Crowley and before Fenton. Just to sort of like as transition, mm. so maybe that's what uh, Rossi's doing. But uh, Keegan really got shown under the bus here. I mean, big time. What was he last year? Like the opposition analysis, and yeah. now he's just at the forefront because he's got the license, and now it's his fault. I didn't. I, I no real hatred towards him. We spoke about yeah. that before. Like he's a good guy, good football guy. Some some weird shouts for Filippo's replacement. Do you have Vinnie Perth saying if they rang me, I'd discuss it? Coco the Clown I want him in <laughs> we have uh, John Sheridan that, that, that was out of left field yeah I, I, I think I'm hoping it turns into a Waterford situation where they just mm. get randomers in once every year you know Jared Little being linked because he's made some Jilton, isn't he but he's, yeah. got, he's got a job isn't he with the the IFA I think but ultimately like what it comes down to is John Gill spoke about Hulitzer Hulitzer whatever way you pronounce yeah. it saying that he's a stubborn individual and that's the way Perth was so he's going to pick a, a weird one exactly he's going to pick a random fucking obscure pick from the middle of Europe and that's that's what's going to happen I think he's going to work with the little Korean boy but yeah that's that's my thoughts on it I think that's what's going to happen he's not going to go for the not the merry-go-round the roundabout of League of Ireland managers but um, I think he's going to go obscure and pick a randomer from I don't know somewhere in, in Europe um, yeah Waterford are a shambles as well um, it's not it's not good for the league it's not it's not a good look to have this type of thing going on you know Waterford struggling and well that was strange because you had Brian Murphy he was on the LOI Central podcast seemed pretty happy seemed like he was going to be you know one of the veterans there him and Daryl Murphy mm. and the next thing he's suddenly left out and then no one explains why 
rumours of them leaving the club and all. Did you see the clip of the Waterford assistant manager? Are you certainly it, it was in the chat earlier. No, no, what, what happened? He was sent to the stands, got red card, for arguing about the colour of sock tape. Was that true? Oh, I thought that was a piss take. No, there's a video. Why? What was that? What was that an issue? I have no idea. Well, uh, footballers are mad, aren't they? Right, we'll move swiftly on from that one. So Gambazuna hasn't featured in any of Rochdale's last four games. This is just after his international cap, so we were baffled by this because we've been keeping an eye on him and he's been playing well, playing as well as you can be in the team that's 24th and getting shots peppered at them. So, um, yeah, hopefully he's not still, injured. Or, they haven't gone down, have they? Uh, they're clinging on with dear life, yeah. possibly last time I checked. Now, that could be wrong. Mm. Um, Joey O'Brien, dead to us, move on. Um, <laughs> ah, here. <laughs> ah, yeah. You made a good point about we the, the Longford chance at the end on Saturday. He says that kind of goes on not not unnoticed, but people don't remember. Like Gary O'Neill makes a crucial block in the last minute. Mm. But it's it's the Gannon goal that you kind of everyone remembers. When yeah, we're I think about. it's the the connoisseurs like yeah. ourselves, prof, who would notice those type of things. You know, <laughs> well, they're the, class. I suppose he's a defender, so he he'll notice that especially. But uh, I I my favorite line from that interview was, he's talking about the cup final, as like being up there with some of the, the highlights of his career, and he's saying I had a personal connection, to around two hundred people at that game. Ah, oh, that's the brilliant thing about it. Like his cousin, his cousin's a legend, Albert McCready, who we want on the show. If you're listening, Al, I don't know, not sure if he listens, but he's torn us down a few times, but we're trying to get him on. He's on Instagram lately, so maybe he's liking the limelight slightly. But we would love to get Albert McCready on and have his thoughts on Rovers and all things hoops. Yeah, so good work by Con and Conan, the new kids in the block. Four episodes now. Yeah, Still figuring out. Just 148 behind us, I think it is. Yeah. But they'll get there, they'll get there. Figuring out this podcast lark, you know. They'll get, they'll get there now. Uh, we mentioned Forrester earlier. Uh, I think you heard that, didn't you? He was on Cody's call. Yeah. Excellent. I have to say I I actually liked Collie's call the last two episodes I'll admit it and I think Alan Caffrey a bitter individual who enjoys uh, misery it seems like because he he encourages kids to go abroad and, I didn't um, like that episode now because do, of him yeah he doesn't want the he doesn't seem to want the league like he doesn't want everybody he doesn't want to row in with all the rest of the clubs and just make things positive there's too much negativity spewing from his pores and um and and he's saying that uh, DDSL clubs have no money and they're broke like that's bullshit as well. So like what St Kevin's have no money every every kid pays four hundred fifty five hundred quid to play. That's over two hundred quid kids am I right? And they'll say they have bills and stuff like that. They are not broke. They are not broke. It's simple as that. Um, I just felt he was very negative and I wouldn't have him anywhere near the development of any game over here. Actively encouraging kids to go abroad to play at sixteen years of age in a development league. In a 23s or reserve 18 development league, when you could, let's say, go to your parent club over here, like Gavin Bazunu, get your father to sign you on a professional contract. Okay, here is the interest. Man City and Man United are interested in me. If I go over there, I'm going to play in the 23s or the development squad. How about you sign and play men's football and Champions League football and competitive football in a real league, in the Irish league, and if you're good enough, you will get that move and develop and play good football at a good level instead of going and rotten in the development leagues over there mm-hmm. they get smashed every time during the league cup over there all these under 23 teams they play the league 2 and the league 1 teams they get absolutely walloped 
I think it's a shocking thing to say on any sort of platform about Irish football. I really do. Couldn't agree more with you there. Um, as for Forrester, uh, very likable guy. And he's looked very good this season. Looks, looks yeah, back to he's his, starting to ping balls again, isn't he? Back to his old self. And uh, I have a bit of a show here, Gar. I think he's a potential Player of the Year winner. Oh, rough. Now, I know that typically goes to a league winner. And I hope it does go to a Rovers league winner, obviously. But you get yeah, you get the odd one. You know, you get like Richie Ryan, Sligo 2010, where yeah. it doesn't come from the champions. So. He's got his groove back, as they say, yeah. isn't it? So with uh, Robert, the Gog, Gogsy Goggins... Wrote this, he says, one of the very few remaining codes calls passed away this morning. Jerry Mackey was a fantastic servant to the hoops throughout the incredible 1950s when Rovers produced one of the best ever teams. His funeral will be on Friday morning at Shankill Church, time to be uh, decided. So, Jerry stood up in 1987 to oppose the sale of Milltown. He became one of the principal figures in Graham and continued to fight the club as a season ticket holder right up until present day. It would be nice to see some flags around the church grounds and on Friday and his remarkable respect for a man who had Rovers deeply ingrained in him. And that team in the 50s featured on a Three Castles Burning podcast recently for Billy Bean. They spoke about the home toy, 6-0 in Dennymount Park, the 3-2 uh-huh. over in Old Trafford and it's a fantastic listen. Once again, Donald Fallon, the voice of Dublin as I call him. Um, it's a really, really good show and I recommend it. And our own Jason Maloney gets a nod as he uh, informed them that we used to have the three castles on our crest as well. So a really good show and check it out. And our condolences go to the Mackey family, of course. I'm going to stick that one on tomorrow. So, yeah. I remember seeing Jerry at uh, Robert. It's all about uh, Billy Bean was, sorry to cut you off, bro, but Billy Bean was the guy, the scout from Man United. He found, mm-hmm. I think, Jackie Carey, Paul McGrath, and his father was involved in the formation of Shamrock Rovers. So there you go. It has a, it's a great show. It really is. So we've got that show and a cram show still to come. He says. Yeah. Oh, it's all in the works. It's all in the works. And mm. we're trying to get him to have a little Crumlin slash Kimmage show ourselves. We've been prodding him about it. So, <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Donald Fallon, the voice of Dublin. Yeah, Jerry was at um, Robert's book launch about a year and a half ago in the club shop. Remember his um, she wore a green ribbon book. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Jerry was actually someone I looked to get an interview with last year because, as we've talked about in recent weeks, I think that's why I remember the name. There's not many '50s players still with us, uh, fortunately. But uh, fortunately, he he wasn't well enough to do it, and sadly, now he's passed on. So condolences to his brother Dave, who I actually spoke to at the time, and uh, yeah, all his family. And uh, some floral tributes were left at Tallis Stadium on Sunday on the 4th anniversary of Junior Hoops coordinator. And let's just put it out there, he wasn't the Junior Hoops coordinator, he was the agent of chaos of the Junior Hoops. Anthony MacDonald by his loving family. So we forever remember fondly by all at Shamrock Rovers FC. Anthony will undoubtedly have a tribute made to him by fans on the podcast in the near future. But the thing is with Ando, you can't talk in solemn tones about Anthony McDonald or Waffles he was full of life full of joy and enthusiasm for the junior hoops and rowers and I just laugh and smile when I think about him because he was just a bit cheeky as well and when you think about him you think about his big grin don't you yeah yeah I'm nearly sure it was he was the one telling me about all the the uh, fans coming over for the derby because he had some connection to the boat I think it was and he was saying there's Wrexham lads coming over and stuff like that. And he was just, he had that <laughs> little bit of trouble about him and he was great. Yeah, so uh, as we're, we're speaking about fans and dearly beloved that have passed on, um, we're going to talk about Joe, a.k.a. 
Joda Hoop, Merryman. And uh, you'll hear from Paul Thomas, Kempes, aka Kempes, uh, Alan Kyo, aka Forky, Fikra O'Brolachan, aka, what's his aka? What are we going to call him? Does he need an aka? Uh, Mark Lynch, I could call him a few things, but I won't. James Cook, friend of the show. Jim Conroy, friend of the show. Albert Boy. Not a friend of the show, yeah. We'll make him a friend of the show. He can be a friend of the show. Keep Mulvaney and Les Lowe. Um, Joe, just a quick word on Joe. I won the four, the four times, because we were relatively new. It was only what, two seasons before Tala, and the fourth game of the season, I'm not sure it was the fourth game of the season, but he was up with the megaphone, and it, it didn't work the way he wanted it, I don't think. So <laughs> it, it, I think everybody goes, shh, and he put the megaphone on, and he go. But it didn't sound great at all. I think everyone just started laughing. And but then um I think he he had a bit of sense of humour. He turned on the ambulance sound going doo, 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 on the megaphone as well. So the megaphone never really took off. But yeah. I just always remember them out and about at Rovers and just bounding around the place full of enthusiasm. And uh, it's passed on to the ultras now as well because like they always they're always there to take on a helping hand and I think that's what Joe has kind of infused in them is that you can never say no to anybody you know every helping hand helps and he he was a great guy he really was and uh, like you said we have some fantastic tributes uh, and here they are. Joe was a great Rovers fan and and a lot of people did a lot of stuff for Rovers in different ways over the years but. Joe was the kind of the quartermaster for the for the ultras for a long time, and he kept all the gear in the shed. So before you know the night before a match day in Tolka, maybe he'd have to load up the car, and get get all the stuff ready, and then he'd go into work that day, and then he'd drive up the Tolka Park then and unload all the gear. Hours before the match, stuff like that. You know, he was very uh, you know, was very enthusiastic, and then even like a lot of the weeks, if it was raining or stuff, if the flags got wet, he'd try to bring them home, and then he'd, you know over the weekend dry them out before he put them away again and stuff like that. You know, so. Yeah, he was great. I used to travel with him a lot in the car to my matches, and um, he was, you know, he was a great guy. He's always, always, you know, very positive and great guy to hang around with, and you know, go 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 on away trips with, or go to matches overseas with, and stuff like that. You know, um, one memory, one memory that sticks out for me was I think it was the one of the games down in Richmond one year, and the Ultras did a big banner down in Joe's warehouse on the Sunday, painted this big massive banner. And Joe said he'd let, leave the paint to dry until the last hour. And then he, he'd go back down like that on the Sunday night. And the paint wasn't fully dry. And he knew if you rolled up, rolled up the banner, it'd all get smudged and wrecked and everything. So Joe left his stuff. He said, no, I'll leave for a few more hours. So he left it on the floor till about three or four in the morning and set his alarm clock. And went down to the job about four o'clock in the morning, let himself in. Thing was at the drawing at that stage. And then packed it all up and put it in his car. And then um, brought it home. And then the following day, lunchtime, he actually dropped it into Richmond at lunchtime on his lunch break. And then we went to the match that evening, you know. So, as I always say, there's not many Rovers fans that would get up, get out of the bed at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning to go and collect the flag and to do something like that. But, but Joe did and just goes to show you the um, you know, the feelings he had for the club and, and everything else. And, you know, so, you know a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of great Rovers fans passed away over the years. But... Uh, I remember being away with Joe in Rome on holidays just a few week, a few months before the first game at Halle and uh, you know, he, the two of us were delighted that after, after all the years of struggling and everything else that Halle was finally going to get there and there was no, we knew that was, that season was going to be in Halle and he was delighted himself and he was saying, oh this is going to be great now and Rovers being in Europe every year and everything else and you know, did he know like about a year later like he'd be 
was diagnosed as being sick and stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, he's a great Robert's fan. He, you know, he loved, loved going to the games, loved having the crack with people. You know, very enthusiastic, and you know, he done a lot for the club even when he got sick. He done a lot of voluntary work up in the shop in the stadium and stuff. So, just like to say, yeah, uh, thanks, Joe. Joe Merriman, also known as Joe the Hoop. Um, <clears throat> to me, I suppose he was one of the great Rovers fans in living memory. Um, I got to know Joe initially when he organised a petition to get Rovers into Tala after opposition from the school headmaster. Uh, at the time, he was running the Hooperazzi website, which helped keep a lot of us informed with what was happening out in Tala, um, you know, with the school and everything else like that. Um, I suppose it could be said he was one of the people who helped galvanise the Rover support in the early days of the Battle of Tala um, and our time on the road, like with things um, such as running one of the early forums, which I suppose enabled fans to get more organised. Um, I suppose after that he got involved with the Ultras um, soon after their formation and he would have played a major part in reviving the match day atmosphere at Rovers, um, helping to establish the atmosphere I suppose we know today in Tala. Um, so, you know, a lot of that would have been down to Joe's influence. Um, I suppose it could be said that he was also an inspiration to the younger generation of fans um, and the following generation of Ultras. I suppose when we were playing in Tolka and uh, Richmond, Santry, etc. Joe, he would bring all the flags um, to the games in the boot of his car, you know, so we had no storage in any of these places. So basically, like, for all those years, um, the whole Ultras operation was literally run out of uh, the boot of Joe's car. Um, I suppose, like, Joe would be seen nearly at every home and away game. Um, you know, he'd usually be in the middle, yeah, where the ultras would be, you know, behind the banner and things like that. Um, typically, he would have had a drum or something um, with him, or even, you know, just waving a flag uh, or one of the big TIFO flags, you know, that kind of thing. Um, such was his passion for rovers. Um, I suppose there was a couple of times he even rented a, a minibus and drove um, drove us to places like Derry and Sligo in it. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, he was just a really great guy. Um, I suppose when we started playing in Tala, um, we would always meet up with Joe before the games, um, you know, get in early, set up all the gear um, in the stand. Um, this is how a lot of the young lads got involved initially and things like that. So um, then, you know, once we had everything set up, we'd head over to the Maldron for a pint or two before heading back over to do um, the display. So... For a lot of us, this became our kind of match day routine in Tala, so um, Joe was a big part of this for us. Um, thankfully, uh, he got to see us play in Tala. Um, I know others didn't, um, and he got to see us win two leagues, the Santa Cup, and got to witness um, us playing the Europa League group stages. So he even made the trip to Spurs over in London, which... Um, I suppose would have been our last away trip with him. Um, I suppose Joe had time for a lot of people at Rovers, and it's safe to say that I suppose um, everyone at Rovers liked Joe um, and had time for him, um, as he was a huge part of Rovers for many people. Um, he would have had friends all over the club, so I suppose he's still missed and remembered to this day. Joe the Hoop was great. He was a big part of who. I and I think a lot of the lads around my age who joined, you know, in the 
kind of around 06, 07, I got involved in the first place. Uh, like since I was about 12, going to matches in 2003, you know, you go up to the ultras and they give you something to do, put out the flags or something, put out the two sticks, make you feel involved. Uh, so he's brilliant at that. And I'd say it was a large part of me actually getting involved in the group, you know, feeling like you could approach them. Um, you'll probably get some of the wilder stories from his uh, <laughs> his contemporaries. But uh, one funny story that stands out for me is, um, I think it was the 2008 season, we were going to do a big skyline of Dublin display and we had it all designed out and we were going to meet to do it. And then Joe said he'd actually done it himself. We were like, oh, that's brilliant, Joe's done it. And we got to Talca Park and he opened it up and realised, you know, in his shed or wherever he made it, his scale wasn't quite the same and he had basically made a really good two-stick. Uh, so that's what happened to that display. But that was how we all missed Joe. Joe was great. Joe Merriman. Joe was a true hoop. And along with a number of others started up SRFC Ultras many moons ago. I remember meeting Joe and Keto along with Jonathan in our 400 club days, working on plans for Tala and getting ourselves set up. Joe was an ever-present putting on displays, whether we were in Tolka, Richmond, Dalymount, or indeed Tala, Joe would be at the heart of it. A great wit and a cheeky grin, quiet and unassuming to some, and leader of the choir to many others. Joe was popular with everyone. He made lots of contacts with other clubs outside of Ireland and brought them to Tala to share with them what it meant to be Rovers. In later times, Joe would help Mark Battle out in the club shop and was our first curator of the Heritage Trust memorabilia in the megastore. Joe's place in fan folklore is a given. Another hoop we sadly miss. James Cook here, just to say a few words about the late Joe Merriman. Joe Merriman, or Joe the Hoop, as he was also known as, was an iconic hoop. In the days when the ultras culture was new to both Rovers and the league, Joe could be seen, megaphone in hand, directing and conducting the various chants. Joe's also one of the stalwarts of the old ultras forum, which was the old school way of getting their fix of hoops gossip. I got to know Joe best when he agreed to become a trustee of the Heritage Trust. Joe took on the task of looking after the display cabinets and the various memorabilia we had collected. And Joe's dedication to the task was best summed up when he was hospitalised and was still emailing us Heritage Trust related business from his hospital bed. Joe's legacy lives on today and I think it's safe to say you'll never be forgotten by the Rovers fan base. Keep on hooping Joe. Hello Hoopers, this is Jim Conroy. Um, just very honoured to be asked to pay to, to pay a tribute to, to uh, a little tribute to uh, Joe Merriman, Joe Joe the Super Hoopers, I'd call him. Uh, you know, he was he was a great character and a great fan of, of our great club. You know, Joe was with us. He followed Rovers for a very long time. But my, my favourite memories of him are in, in his latter years when he was in the souvenir shop in Tala, and I used to go in to see him. Before the games, you know, before I'd have me a few points, and I'd go in and have a coffee with Joe and a chat, and it was just lovely to sit to sit and, and talk about Rovers, and and his face would light up talking about all his happy memories of the club, you know, and I'd always have my brother John with me, and sadly both of them are no longer with us, you know. It's funny following Rovers as you get older, you realise that uh, winning leagues and cups and all that is it's, it's brilliant. Europe, the the great games, but it's the people are the most important thing. And Joe was one of the best, you know. Uh, you know, uh, 
Yeah, the thing about Joe is he was with us through thick and thin. He 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 was always there. Like like I say, thick and thin. It should be thick, thin, and thinner. You know, because some of the younger fans are trying to very hard to to, to realise how, how how bad things were were for the club, especially around two thousand and three and four and all. But there was people like Joe that kept the that kept the, the club going. You know. And the thing is, the club today—it's—it's—it's it's, it's such good health and all, and the, the club is actually flying at the moment. And a lot of that has gone gone. It's it's due to people like Joe because because they were the ones who kept the flag flying when when it was very difficult to do so. Thank you very much. Thank you. Keep on hooping. Bye bye. I met Joe when I started going to Rovers games in Tulka around two thousand and seven, helping out getting displays ready and things. Although I hadn't been around for a few years, he was very friendly and welcome to me. And that's the abiding memory I have of Joe, really. Someone who'd always had a smile on his face, was welcoming to people who wanted to help out. Uh, really took enjoyment from life, you know. Um, people will have seen him setting up displays on, on match days, but it was his, his dedication outside of match days that always impressed me as well. There were, there were plenty of times we'd, uh, we'd spend a couple of days working on displays at the car park where he worked. These massive crowd covers spl- spread out and uh, the designs marked out with masking tape. He'd tell you not to worry about little details, you know, it still look good from a distance anyway. Usually when you just you know, painted the wrong colour and made a mistake somewhere. At the same time, Joe was the one, you know, out with the, out with the measuring tape, getting the design just right, getting the mask and tape uh, just in the right place. Uh, that's that's why those displays looked as good as they were. It was down to Joe, really. Um, and, you know, on match days, we were always there early trying to get things set up. You know, the Tulka Park days would be there before it was open, you know. Uh, we used to store most of our stuff in a little alcove at the end of the bar in the function room under the uh, drunk understand for the guards and stewards to be doing their briefings as well uh, and one derby game i remember uh, i was trying to find some flag or other uh, and the guards started up anyway uh, now we're expecting trouble tonight lads and we think these ultras will try and get some flares in you know uh, meanwhile myself and joe there with ultras hoodies kind of crouched down the, underneath the uh, the bar behind them you know um and uh, the ground's been searched every person and bag will be searched on their way in you know joe taps me on the shoulder anyway turn around and see a big grin in his face uh points into a bag yeah sure enough there's a couple of flares down the bottom of the bag already uh and joe just zips up walks out smiles past the guards wishes them a good evening you know <laughs> well that, that was typical joe you know always had that smile uh and a happiness about him and, and that's really what's gonna gonna stay with me as, as the memory of the man that uh that happiness and that enjoyment he took from life how are you lads? Kiko here. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to say a few words on this slot. It's a great addition to the podcast. Uh, I'm delighted that you're doing a feature on Joe the Hoop. Quite appropriate, especially given that it's 20 years since the Ultras was formed this year. Suppose in the early days of the Ultras, Joe was the driving force behind the the group. We were all strong characters, um, but Joe was like a figurehead and he was older than the rest of us and he sort of pulled us together so he totally dedicated to the group and to the club and uh, put huge time and effort in you know both match days and outside of match days preparing things transporting things storing things you know he was a brilliant character to be around inspirational Um, he was very tuned into the international aspect of the ultras culture uh, the mindset of we're not just there to be entertained we're there to participate you know our actions can influence the outcome of the game. That was the thought process behind the group and still is. Um, Joe, like all of us, again, was very influenced by some of our international friends, Hammerby, Roma, and Joe had a particular graph for Rapid Vienna. Um, I remember him saying to me 
relatively early. The main thing we have to do to make a big splash is the three Fs. Flags and fucking flares. Lots of them. You know, and he also got us into a bit of trouble. He also believed that there, there should be a distance and a, a level of discomfort between the club and the group. And that's a that's a fair thing that that should be there all the time. If you're an ultras group, you should be pushing the envelope. And you know he firmly drove that. You know you should be doing things that make the club feel uncomfortable, but still having respect for them. You know not being totally ridiculous, but but pushing things further than you're allowed to, and that people are comfortable with. You know which which I think is a positive thing. It was early. It, it was easy in the early days, really, when there was all sorts of gobshites running the club you know but when it turned into the 400 club and the members club that became more difficult when it was your mates but we still managed probably mostly due to me but we still managed to keep a distance between ourselves and the club and upset a few people not too much i hope and um, really positive attitude from joe that was the thing that really sticks with me is his attitude towards life and people you know he was a distinctive character with his goatee he was very approachable he always had time for everybody and everybody was comfortable in his company you know that's that's something that's a, it's a rare personal trait for anybody to have something that i wish i had you know he was easy company to be with no matter who it was no matter what you were talking about it didn't have to be rovers didn't have to be football he was just an easy guy to get on with and everybody enjoyed being in his company you know that's a that's a really positive personality trait for anybody to be ha- to have and i think one that very few have to tell you the truth i suppose what would sum up joe would be when he became ill um i remember him calling me and telling me about his diagnosis and he was scared as you would be you know um it was terminal and he took a few weeks and I remember he called me and he says, look, come on, meet you for a pint. He says, we'll talk about what we're going to do here. And uh, he said, look, I don't know how long I have left, you know, he says, but, you know, we're in Tala. It was 2010. We were winning the league. Um, he said, I'm just going to, I've been waiting for this all my life. I'm just going to love every minute of this and do everything that I can. I'm not supposed to travel abroad, get on an airplane. He says, but I'm going. You know, and he did. And, you know, the 2011 season when we had the great campaign in Europe, he went to as many games as he could, totally against doctor's advice. I suppose one one evening that would sum him up for me was when we were in Copenhagen in the Champions League. Um, we were all out on the street on a great party, usual mayhem and madness that's associated with Rovers away in Europe. And the cops came along and says they were moving us onto the stadium and they were going to walk us up to the stadium. So Joe was really feeling bad that day. He was having a bad time. He didn't let anybody else know. And I said, come on, we'll jump in a taxi. And he said, no fucking way. He says, if everybody's walking, I'm walking. And he did. And he walked up to the stadium and he got into all sorts of mischief inside the stadium as well, hanging up the banner of Mid-Ultras, which are banned in Denmark and all sorts of crack. Brilliant, but just regardless of how he was feeling he gave it his all and that just summed the man up to me you know he was an inspiration to me it was a pleasure to call him my friend and i miss him all the time i miss him terribly keep on hooping joe keep on hooping i received a text from robert goggins during the week on behalf of carl riley asking me to contribute to the podcast about joe merriman it's rather ironic because i'd only been looking through some old photographs the weekend before and Joe popped up 
one of them swirling a big TIFO flag at Tolka Park, another one where he was busy getting flags ready for the opening game in Tala. I'd never presumed to be classed as a close friend of Joe's. He had some really close friends, but I would class him as a really good Rovers friend who I grew very fond of over the years. Super guy, Joe, and as a diehard Rover fans, he can only be called a legend. I think the first time I got to meet and talk to him was along with his friends Keith O'Stee and Dejan, I suppose aka the founders of the Ultras. I'm not sure which pub it was. It was up the road from Dalymount, possibly the Brian Baru. I stand to be corrected on that, though. But even though I was older than these guys, I was quite in awe of them all and what they were all about. During the dire years of St. Tala just sitting there not finished and the issues that surrounded the council, Thomas Davis, uh, getting permission to have the ground finished, I really enjoyed the encouragement I would get from the phone calls with Joe. Two or three a week, we'd share our latest bits of gossip or our latest news or whispers that we heard. And Joe was always so positive about Tala that it would happen. And I'm so glad he got to enjoy time there, unlike so many who didn't. I recall how he told me that getting to Tala, we would see displays like no one ever had seen in the country. And boy, was he right. To jog my memory about a few things, I looked up an article that I had the privilege of writing in Spotlight on the 12th Man in August 2006. It was a game against Bowles in the third round of the Cup. Joe actually didn't attend it because he went to Hammerby that night uh, with some of his friends. But the interview was brilliant. and Even though it took some time to pin him down, it was worth it. Um, just thinking about what he, what I said about him being positive. He spoke about how when Milltown closed that half the club died. And although many fans remained, that a sense of place or belonging was gone. And this was something that he felt very strongly about. He said if directors and managers and players would come and go, but the fans were the lifeblood of the club and they needed that sense of belonging. He says the only thing is, Les, that that sense of belonging that we lost, if we, sorry, no, when we get to Tala, we will have that sense of place back again. Joe and people like Joe kept us going with that desire to reach the Holy Grail. Every opportunity to talk to Joe, to meet up with Joe, I look back on now and cherish. One particular occasion that I always remember with fondness was when we sat together in the square in Medina when we went over to Italy for that second leg against Juventus. We sat on the edge of the, the square, we enjoyed a beer, we absorbed the atmosphere, and it was a chat about life, football, we put the world to rights, and of course, lots of talk about Rovers. That was the day I finally found out how they got the pig's head into Daily Mount. All the stories and rumours were put to rest that day when Joe told me how it was done. Absolutely classic. And another occasion I, I look back on laughing with, with about is when Joe, when we were sitting in the pub just before we went into Tolka, the night we got relegated, he said, would I bring a bag in? And I said, yep, go on. No one fine well it was what was in it. We got to the turnstiles and of course the guards were doing spot checks and I unfortunately got a very enthusiastic young guard and despite putting my hand on the flag at the top of the bag and saying that's all that was in it, he insisted on digging into the bag, pulled one flare out and called the sergeant over and when they turned it out there was 22 flares in it. Sorry I lost them all Joe, 
but it was so good of you to actually get me involved that night. And I remember the laughing and the slagging I got when I went in. Finally, my father was cremated on the 10th of May 2012 and Joe came to the service. I wasn't expecting him because he wasn't well himself. But looking back, I think he was a man who was at peace with himself at that stage. Of course, I cried when my dad died, but a couple of weeks later, to switch on the Ultra Forum and be met by the news of Joe's death was just horrendous. I can't even begin to imagine what Joan and the family went through. I was raw, and it was almost unbearable to use. However, I will look back in fondness of having the privilege to have known and the pleasure to have known such a great guy as Joe, and I will always see him, and he's always going to be a picture in my mind in the spot where he stood in Tallinn. Rest in peace, Joe. So some very, very emotional ones there. And uh, a serious forky for once. So it's yeah. nice to hear a, a serious forky. Yeah, a couple of those were, well, they were were very moving. And, but uh, he spread himself far and wide, like even the heritage trust and the flags. and. That's how, what I particularly enjoyed about this one. Mm. Um, like half the contributors were about the ultras and the other half were about the heritage shows and how much he was interested in the legacy of the club yeah uh, very interesting guy and he sounds I you remind me a bit of the, the comments towards um, Maureen when we first started this segment how you know he was unwell towards the end but just such a determined person to not let it affect his supporting of Rovers it's a state of mind though isn't it though because yeah. like let's say you're not well and the one thing that makes you happy in life is Rovers no matter what so mm. I think it's will like it's just a it's a state of mind where you think you know what this is what I want it makes me happy so that's it's what they wanted to do at their time of illness so I actually didn't join the Heritage Trust until twenty thirteen so I would have missed just missed Joe uh, sadly by a year uh, I was told that we would have gone on well so it's a shame I didn't didn't get to know him but remember in t- twenty twelve we we played Shelburne and is this your favorite game the three two. <laughs> Pretty sure it was three two, isn't it? Yeah, Fat Philly scored out in Tolka. Yeah, Philly well, Hughes edge of the box. Well, he, knocked, he knocked us out of the cup then later on. That yeah, year. I'm nearly sure it's the same game. But yeah. this one, yeah, three. We came from behind twice. They got a man sent off. I think that was the game where Shells put up a banner for Joe the Hoop. Yes, they did. They mm. did, certainly did. Yeah, hundred percent did. Because he, like you said, he gave advice as well. You know, like if anyone mm. ever needed any advice or anything like that, and. Like you said, he had connections left, right, and centre. Like I'll never ever forget all those Roma lads at Joe's funeral. The Irish clan came over from Roma. They were like there could have been ten, twelve of them, and they sat in the east stand. And then they lit flares as his, as his, uh, his, his funeral as, as the the coffin and the hearse went by. I've never, I've never seen, I've heard of anything like that. Yeah, people coming from abroad to see Joe the Hoop be buried like Italian ultras that happened that actually happened let's go back to another one another memory one of my favourite ever away days ever was in Richmond Park and um, I always get the score wrong it was 2-1 wasn't it 3-1 it was the 3-1 Stewie Bourne got gave the ball away and then Billy Denny he scored a rasper Hammerby were there St. Gallen were there 
St. Gallen, Hammerby and Voiborg were all there, right? There was about 40 lads there and I think I remember getting seeing that something on the forum about some fella had reached his 100 point. He drank his 100 point in the airport on the way home. But that was that was one of Joe's big influences was getting all these people over. I'll never ever forget that because we were in the middle of, after we scored. It was mayhem. Stupid copper decides to walk into the middle of it and actually her, my brother, my brother-in-law, Jamar, was with us. And I'd only started taking them to games. And he just decided to give the copper an almighty wallop. And the hat, his hat went flying up into the air. Copper couldn't find his hat. We're all throwing the hat. around going, yeah, yeah. There was none of the Scandinavians had tops on. And we were just looking at them going, fuck's sake, lads. Like, putting us to shame here. Like, it was brilliant. One of the best atmospheres ever at any game. And the lads, yeah. if, you, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you know the one, get on to us with your memories of that. It was yeah. brilliant. I remember one absolute head case. I think he was Voiborg. He had his top off, but he had two old school pistol tattoos on the front, just where his crotch was, and he was off the head as well. It was brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, we put up a post on Facebook, and uh, there was a reply from John Dorney. He said, uh, he said, you can't recall any specific anecdotes, but Joe was a great guy. He and the others, like Stee, Dejan, etc., started the others to rescue the atmosphere in the dark, dark Sandry Stadium days, as I recall. He says he went on a trip to Rome with him and other lads once to see Roma versus Lazio with the Roma Ultras Irish clan group. Joe was a great friend, friend of theirs and we were really greeted as comrades in arms type of thing. We watched the game at the front with the Ultras. When he sadly died, the Roma lads came over to the game against Cork, I think, to pay tribute to Joe. That's what you were saying earlier. Yeah, brilliant. I'll never forget it because they were just had an aura about them, you know. So that was this month's in memoriam, car uh, a memoriam, if you will. A memoriam. So see, see what I did there. No. Okay. Once again, I had to stop edit. I had to stop recording <laughs> there. Just to cop on what he was saying. A memoriam. I was like, all right. It's like props talking in Latin here. This is some sort of Italian uh, gesture. No, but yeah. Once again, I uh, I failed to grasp props jokes. Um. Yeah. So uh, on on the topic of ultras. 20th anniversary prof 20 years in the game uh, running a muck up and down the country displays so let's talk about some of the displays actually the one out in Dundalk uh, straight out of Dublin absolute cracker uh, mm. we fear no Danes that's my favourite one um, brilliant uh, the one take a shot at, uh, the one with the you best not miss the one with the, from the wire there was a couple from the wire I had some brilliant ones take a shot at the king you best not miss I think that's what it was some brilliant ones and love like real cool popular culture so Les Lowe uh, the gentleman who sent the last tribute in there he's been sending me some pictures of Joe and stuff and he said that there's been some incredible displays over the years but one of his favourites was the huge but simplistic in its own way it was the it was the giant flag that covered the entire stand oh where is that where is that look at the picture here where is that I, I remember that game actually. Yeah. That thing was massive. Massive, yeah. We used to yeah. always get involved in the East Stand. We used to, we used to yeah. stand right behind the Ultras, remember? We used to always have a little peek. Just think, right, we'll get involved here every time. Give them a hand. Um, yeah, so that is it. And we're going to talk about the 20th anniversary t-shirt available in black and white and priced at €18. Euro. Uh, just head into the SRFC Ultras page on Facebook. Let them know your size. All profit will go back into putting on displays when we get back into Tala. AKA behind the bar in Malloy's and they're going to sink all the points. So, uh, yeah, that is it for this week. We're going to talk about starting 11s and predictions. Prof, this is a bit of a hot topic. So, starting 11s and predictions. 
Prof's going first. Prof is going first. How often do I go first? This is unusual. But once again, I think we're going to end up having the same team. But uh, I'm going Manus. I'm going Finn, right wing back, instead of Gannon. Horror, Pico, Grace. Scales, left wing back, mm -hmm. because Cabo was in a knee brace and on crutches after the final whistle. Fuck's sake. Can't get a break, any. So, I doubt... I doubt he's going to start Murphy in the derby. So it's going to be scales, isn't it? So yeah. the back three, if jo if Joey's not fit yet, it kind of picks itself, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And then really the only question is Greener or, or Gaffney up front. And uh, I want Greener. So my midfield four are... Well, then the question is Gary O'Neill or McCann. <gasps> I'm going, what's Mandroyu, Burke and Gary O'Neill? Oh, being blown, all attacking... 11 oh, mine's quite similar I've won't change though. we both went for Finn and we, we, we actually kind of we had a jinx moment where we picked him ourselves Finn has to play against Bowles for me and like I said I think they're going to try and get at us a little bit of solidarity on the left and the right Finn and Scales there's nothing getting by them they're going to have good games that's what I think you're going to have nippy little wingers nipping at their toes so Madison go Harpico Grace centre halves Left wing back scales, right wing back Finn. I'm going to have Gary O'Neill and McCann. I don't believe or buy into this stuff that players can't play together. I think that McCann is going to be huge in this game. His ability to hold on to the ball, Gary O'Neill's ability to smash players and his passing ability is going to be huge in this in getting the ball up to Mandroyu, Burke and Greener because Greener is the derby. So mm -hmm. it's going to be these three danger men, Mandroyu, Burke and Greener and McCann getting forward as well. You know, just picking his way through their defence and I'm going to go... Ooh. I'm going to say we're going to click into gear and go 3-0 and then watch the forum of Bowes explode 3-0 uh, with a Greener Greener to score and we'll go Borky to get a brace how many times over the years have we been saying like oh we're going to hammer these and all this but it always ends up being a close game yeah, every yeah, time I think so I, I feel we're going to do it though I feel since the 3-0 win at Tad in 2010 We've hammered them once, isn't it? The yeah. four nil and Denny Mount. So they're always close. So I'm saying one nil with an early goal. Oh the prop with an early goal. So maybe you know squeaky bum time second half. <laughs> squeaky bum time second mm -hmm. half. Uh so uh, who's gonna who's gonna get it? Who's gonna get it? Uh I'm gonna say Dylan Watts. Dylan Watts, yeah. Um the build up prop it's Let's say we'll hope it starts. We'll hope it starts as we speak. You know, people are starting to feel it. I'm feeling it. Young Barry Bear was texting me, kind of Foley, and he said he's feeling it now. And it's it's because the midweek match obviously breaks it up. But no fans, no going to games. But it's still a derby, and you can feel it in your guts. And um, starting to starting to feel it myself. I'm, I can't wait. Look forward to. It. A couple of quick stats: We just beat Bow's Premier Division record of 27 league games unbeaten. They did that in 2008. So now we're on 28 and we're two off the all-time record. Mm -hmm. And Lee Grace could make his 100th league appearance for us on Friday. 100? Fantastic yeah. stuff. Quick stats. Probably the quick stats. Mm -hmm. uh, but the cracks are starting to appear, Prof, now in the Bose skeleton. They um, There's all sorts. I mean, I think they're the fans, there's infighting with the fans. Um, they're not happy with how the club is being run. Uh, for commercial and all sorts of profit for certain individuals, and um, yeah, so that's yeah, well, they're, the, they're at odds with each other now. They're getting restless with their 
no trophy in six, seven years. Well, they they haven't they haven't even appointed a new officer this week either. So that's another thing. But they, uh, you, were, yeah. you were saying you were expecting them to be physical, and then someone said back to you that they were reading uh, the Jibbo web, and they were like, according to their form, they're not physical anymore, and they've signed a load of midgets. They're very small. <laughs> Saw a photo of them defending the Dundalk. Yeah, they are small. Is it very small? Is it they're small or the Dundalk have giants? No, well, a bit of both, but they're small. We're a bigger team than them as well, so I'd be expecting, I'd be expecting us to outmuscle mm. them anyway. But you can see that Crowley and Long are starting to get a little bit frustrated, so that's gonna that's gonna help in our favour. But Prof, you've a random fact here. Prof's random facts. Apparently, Bowes women's team have inner city helping homeless on their shorts, but a sponsorship paid by the shopping centre developers, and this is all leading back to uh, Bowes wanting the development of the shopping centre turned into a shared housing space, which is absolutely disgraceful in my opinion. And it all stinks of them wanting more gate money, I think, eventually, because I think they signed off and in support of turning into a co-living space, which, if any, you have any sense in your head at all, co-living space is a fucking disgrace. It's a slum, and both have signed off on this, the paperwork is there. So you could see where their angle is coming from. They'd be thinking, well, that's more students, more people, besides the stadium, living in and around there. It's a sellout. It's a, it's a horrible thing to do. And um, like I said, it, go, it all goes back on to having the for, the Fontaines DC on their jersey. Why didn't they have Focus Ireland on it? What was the reason for having Fontaines DC on that jersey when they're trying to raise money for Focus Ireland? Why didn't they just have Focus Ireland on the jersey and drop Fontaines DC? What universe are Fontaines DC going to generate more publicity for homeless and focus Ireland and being on your jersey. Can can someone please correct me and I'll go on any show or talk to anyone about this? Why? Do you know what I mean? No one's it had was an unnecessary. It was it was publicity stunt once again, and the club is being shredded from the inside and used as a as a toy for someone else to further their own agenda. It's simple. It's obvious. It's plain as day. And I'd be going mad if I was a boss fan. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna move on. And they have their own podcast. Listen, prof, plagiarism is rife again. They have their own podcast now. Only three years late. Only 150, <laughs> 150, 152 episodes late. But, uh, yeah, we had a poll. And now, listen, I don't know how you feel, prof. I like winning silverware. Mm-hmm. I don't like to exist. I like to live. The Shamrock was exist to win silverware. For everything else, does Dan Lambert. Exactly. So, I'm talking maybe, would you take the choices here? Would you want to win silverware or would you want to beat balls and get relegated? I would say that's a stupid question. <laughs> well, listen, that's just what separates balls and rovers. So, um, Well, their first episode was about rovers, about derbies, so no surprise there. Yeah, yeah. And their last few minutes were basically saying that. One of their hosts said something along the lines of, even if you finish last in the table and you beat rovers four times, you're happy with that. Which is, that was actually, because we, we've joked about those thinking that. Like, we that's been said in the WhatsApp group before. They'd just be happy beating us four times. To actually hear a fan saying that out loud, I I was stunned. Ultimately saying, yes, take me, relegate me, please. But beating, but beating Rovers is fine. Like, that's all right. Like, that, it's, it's just, like you said, it's a... I'm not even going to use... No, I won't use that term, but it's just a small-time mentality for a club 
on the de- on on the on the on the decline. Simple as that, in my opinion. Speaking of podcasts, James Lowe has an article in this week's program. Friend of the show, James Lowe. Yeah. Ooh, where like he <laughs> gives the low down. The sleeper of beaches. Yeah. <laughs> e- excellent pun work by Robert Goggins this week. The lowdown on League of Ireland podcasts. So he he takes all the League of Ireland podcasts, he ranks them out of ten. I won't I won't give any spoilers, but we, we do well. And if you want to read it. Yeah. You gotta get the program. Once again, me and Prof doing Trojan work and getting this podcast, mm-hmm. this this program out into your hands for kickoff. Make sure you get a fantastic publication. Prof is knocking the jocks off of the uh, articles this week. Is is Jason Maloney back? Is the literary genius back? I didn't even open it. I actually forgot to check. It well, that's a, one I thing you want to be looking at as well. Maloney's back. We got. He's, he's a good excuse for not writing recently. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely, and hopefully he gets better. Good pal of the show, Jason Maloney. But listen. That's once once again. Please do get it's a fantastic publication. Nice ten percent spike in sales now for the Dublin Derby this week. So I'm we'll, even getting stats on the on the sales, prof. So we, we leave the last word to our, our rings end buddy Mooner. He says this is what balls look forward to every season. That's what they look for. That poxy run we were on against them meant nothing because they were never went ahead of us. When we started beating them, we beat them in a semi final. And a top of the table clash. Levels. So that is it for this show. And the Dublin Derby. Getting the nerves now, prof. So that's it for this week, guys. Keep on hoping. See ya.